What is up, people? This is Variety Bites. I am Sean Williams, joined, of course, by Mr. Travis T5 Smith. And, ugh, not gonna lie, people, this is probably gonna be the hardest intro I've ever had to do. The passing of, as far as I'm concerned, the passing of a king in more reasons than one. Chadwick Boseman, the Black Panther, Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall, even James Brown, passed away at the age of 43 after a four-year-long battle with colon cancer. Even, even now it's talking about it, it feels like a complete nightmare that this happened. And I know I keep saying it, but 2020, fuck you. This year is just a freaking horror show. But he was, the guy was just a hero, a king, and a legend in more ways than one. I mean, battling that for four years, knocking out the roles that he had done, all while various surgeries and many, many treatments of chemotherapy. The, best, the two best stories I could think of in talking about the man was when I saw Black Panther on opening night, I saw many different people of different ethnicities and different cultures wear, all, wearing, all wearing clothes in, in tune with their, with their culture. And just how culturally impactful that movie was, to me, it was moving and it was beautiful. But also, Avengers Endgame, the part where they all start to return. When you see the Black Panther return first, I crossed my arms in the, in the Wakanda salute, and not aloud, but said, Your Highness. But then at the part where he's, chant, he's doing that war chant, and his army chants it back to him, the crowd and everyone in the theater was doing that, myself included. So, that I figured the best thing I could do was share that story, because that that's one of the best memories I can remember involving the guy, and uh, everyone's saying rest in power, but truthfully, rest in power and beyond, because I don't think just in power is enough. Uh, man, I've, I've had a hard time trying to keep it together with that one, T5, so whatever you gotta say, man, go to it. came out of out of left field yesterday like we were all me and some of my friends on a group chat so that's how we keep up uh keep up with each other you know especially these day, these days we're all spread out and one of my friends was like dude black panther like what what are you talking about damn dude we lost chadwick i said no way huh we were all shocked. About four or five was all shocked, man. So whenever somebody comes up with, with you know, somebody passed away or somebody died or something like that, the first thing we do is fact check Google immediately. Because I don't know how many times they tried to unsuccessfully kill off Jackie Chan. So we go straight to Google and show sure enough, like, unfortunately, you wish this was one of those 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 Google 
hoaxes, man, but sure enough, TMZ had it, a couple other people, and Twitter, and I went checked my Twitter, because I usually don't go on Twitter, it's up to see who rapping about what, on his, on his own Twitter uh, account, said it himself, I said, oh, man, and that just, that just floored everybody, because we didn't even know he was sick, like, talking about a picture uh, came up a couple of months ago with him, and he was looking kind of sickly. But I don't think anybody was like, man, they thought it was either photoshopped or a hoax or maybe for a role or something. But nobody knew he had colon cancer, like talking about. So we all kind of looked back to that and like, damn, dude, that was straight up foreshadowing, man. That that was real. And then we look back at, you know, after the initial shock kind of wore off, we were like, dude, he was doing all these roles. Black Panther, Endgame, the Jackie Robinson movies, James Brown, he did all these movies while he was sick. And, man, he put on, like, he put, he never... Never failed on any of these roles. He did uh, appearances and whatnot. Charity gave gave back to to the charity and stuff. Man, one of the funniest things I remember was uh, when he appeared on uh, Saturday Night Live. (laughs) He did Black Jeopardy. Did Black Jeopardy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that was that killed me. He told Keita, he said, Karen, keep your, your nasty <laughs> potato salad. And <laughs> 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 he, he did it, and he did it in the Black Panther accent. He did it as, uh, as T'Challa. <laughs> and it was so hilarious. But, man, this is a tough one, because, like you said, in the theater, going to see Black Panther... That was like a cultural event, man. You know, we had, of course, uh, you know, black folks, we had Blade, of course, you know, but it wasn't like that, you know. No knock against Wesley Wesley Stipes, but, you know, Blade wasn't like that. This right here was like, man. And not only was it just like, it was like almost like, it was almost like Comic-Con slash BET Awards, <laughs> you know, everybody showed up, all, everybody showed up, either dressed, either dressed in some Black Panther type uh, attire, or they came dressed to the nines, to the movie theater, to see Black Panther, and that was like a first for black folks, but not only like black people, but everybody came out, and they were all, they were all in solidarity, you know? It was one of those things where you walk down, you walk, you know, you walk down the thing, you do the Black Panther salute, and nod, and do it right back, and everybody knows, and it was cool, and that's, and that brought everybody together, man, you had black people proud, and then you had other races that were happy for us, and that was so cool, you know, yeah. you had young, you had young kids, you know, they were, and getting into comics, they were getting into Man Black Panther because they had a hero that looked like 
a part of that. And, you know, everybody, like, you know, we all know, you know, it's a story and everything, but to him, we were like, that's King T'Challa. That's, that's Black Panther. That's our guy. You know? So this one, man, this one, it hit a lot harder than than some of the other L's we, we took recently. Yeah. And man, it, this, this, like, all up, my, all up and down my own, my own Facebook feed and stuff and everything, man, that's all you saw. Mm-hmm. Everybody, black, white, Latino, everybody was just, wow, oh, man, and posted that all night. Man, I just, man, I just want to say, you know, I'm so thankful, grateful for his work, not only as an actor, entertainer, but also in the community, in the black community, in, in the world community, you know, and, you know, his, his struggle is over, man. He ain't got to fight no more, man. That's yeah. cancer. We, we talk about 2020, but, man, F cancer, dude. F cancer and the, the A, man. Absolutely. You know, talking about this with my family today, um, one moment that um, I'm glad you mentioned SNL because I do rem- that was one of the ones I was talking about. Of course, Black Jeopardy. But, of course, the monologue where he's saying, it's an ha- honor to be on Saturday Night Live because of the, su- the success of Black Panther, which came out two months ago. And then, and then mentions all his other roles. Then he broke out a little James Brown where he goes, "I'm gonna do my thing," and the crowd went nuts for that. But also uh, on Jimmy Kimmel when the celebrity mean tweets, and he read his, he couldn't stop laughing. That that is the coolest black man in the world have such a white bread name like Chadwick, and he just started laughing. <laughs> But the coolest moment was when uh, Jimmy Fallon had him hide behind a poster and people said what they would say to him if they ever met him face to face. And they said what the Black Panther meant to him. And then when he comes out and the first guy, he's like, oh, oh, he crossed his arms about about his head. He goes, my king. (laughs) And one woman uh, with with her infant son talking about how much it means and saying... And comparing him to Barack Obama. And then he comes out and goes, Oh, Barack Obama? Come on, you're giving me way too much credit. And I was like, Oh, man, that's awesome. But I'm not going to lie. If I ever had, um, if I had ever had the honor of meeting him face to face, I would, <laughs> I would go to, I would go to the extreme where I would bend the knee, cross my arms, and say, Your Highness. That, I, I know he was, it was just a character, but just out of respect, I couldn't help it. I mean, it's... Oh, dude, yeah. I'm right along with you, dude. I would have did, like, on Coming to America, my king, my king, is this, is this our king? <laughs> I would have did just like on Coming to America when they had the, uh, they met at the basketball game. And I would have been bowing, oh, my king, my king, oh, yeah. my king. I oh, I'm so serious. Accent and everything. <laughs> yep. Hell, I would have, I'd have done the same thing if I was walking around, uh, at, at California Adventure, they had a Mar- the Marvel heroes, and I see Black Panther. I'd do that. I'd just go Your Majesty. But, um, uh, but yeah, I remember being at Endgame on opening night, 
and the part where he's chanting Iman Bay, and the his army chanted it back. Whole crowd was chanting that with with this army, myself included. They were just you could feel the emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but thought, thoughts and prayers definitely to the friends and family of Chadwick Bozeman, and like you said. His battle's over. You don't have to go through that pain anymore. But your legacy will live on. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. <sighs> Man. That, but, you know, had a, another loss that we had the, this week. Um, Joe Ruby, the creator of Scooby-Doo, passed away. I mean, who didn't grow up with that cartoon? Right. Scooby Doo, especially even even the sixties version has just been like constantly running that same one. Not even the, the what's new or uh pup name Scooby Doo or anything, not even the new iterations. Just the original mm-hmm. has been still running yeah. for kids younger than me to watch. For my niece and nephew and all the younger kids to watch. That same version. Not even the newer stuff. So you still watching the same exact ones that I watch, the same exact ones my mom and pops watch, that stuff. That show, that's how popular that show was. That's how long that show has been running. You know, one rendition of Scooby-Doo that I think few remember, but I think as a kid it was one that I remember because they played it on Saturday mornings. The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Oh, that was so good creepiest intro ever and of course you had one of the creepiest voices ever vincent price in that thing of course like that that flipped me because i saw that when i was a little bit older maybe like eh, my teens maybe and that's when i discovered i discovered that version it was i think it was on tbs maybe yeah and I, discovered, and I discovered that and i was like man what is this and we'll do Flim Flam. I was like, the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> and then Vincent Price, I was like, what? Vincent Price, what? In the cartoon, y'all wild for that. And like you said, that intro was spooky. I said, man, this is wild. But I was here for it. And I loved it, man. There's another iteration of Scooby-Doo. Uh, and Daphne in it. And they had the ghost. And they had a little comedy ghost and stuff. Man, it was pretty good, man. But it was wild. It was, it was vastly different from everything else. But, like, one of my favorite ones was a pup named Scooby-Doo. ABC Thursday mornings. Oh, man, that was so... It was because it was so goofy. And they would break the floor. Not, not just break the floor wall, but it was... A, it was not as serious as the other iterations of Scooby-Doo. Like, they were all kids and stuff. They were doing this crime fighting. But you would have Fred constantly blaming this dude named Red Herring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 he wouldn't even be in the episode. Yeah. They, they were still closed and stuff. He was like, man, you stupid Freddy. I'm not even in this episode. <laughs> It'd be hilarious, man. And they would go through like the old, you know, 
and everything, them eating huge sandwiches and, and you know, being, you know, oh, what you doing for, what you doing for a Scooby snack? Oh, I, I don't have any Scooby snacks. <laughs> yeah, all kind of stuff, man. It was, it was a little bit new, but a little bit of the same, and it was hilarious. Yep. And the thing I, the thing that stood out to me, like with uh, the thirteen ghosts, that demon's chest, which looked freaky as hell, and of course the part in the intro with Vincent Price in all his glory, only you can bring the demons back to the chest. Why us? Cause you let them out. I was like, jeez, man. <laughs> yeah, Captain Buzzkill. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dude. to 12 episodes. They didn't even get to finish it off where they caught the last ghost. But um, another loss that we had this weekend, Clifford Robinson of the Portland Trailblazers and of UConn fame also passed away at the age of 53. But also one one passing that took place last week, I didn't I actually forgot to get into it the previous episode. We lost actor Ben Cross, who was the villain in First Night. He was, of course, famous for Chariots of Fire. And also Spock's father in the, uh, in the Star Trek movie, the J.J. Abrams one. And here's something I remember, probably most people don't remember. In, ni- in the 90s, when they rebooted Dark Shadows, he was Barnabas Collins. But 
You know, what I remembered with Dark Shadows when they rebooted that? It fell because of ratings, but it wasn't entirely its fault. Desert Storm took place, and because of all the coverage, it got it kept getting preempted, so that hurt. And just never recovered from that. That's why it only lasted a season. But rest, rest in peace to all those mentioned. And dude, enough freaking death. <laughs> like like Chadwick Boseman in the monologue, and like James Brown, we're gonna do our thing. So kick it off with WWE and NXT. So another SummerSlam come and gone. Roman Reigns returns. And apparently is a Paul Heyman guy now. Sami Zayn also returned and is still claiming that Jeff Hardy is the fake IC champion. And the countdown has pretty much begun to the Sasha and Bailey split. And while Karrion Cross defeated Keith Lee for the NXT title, he had to forfeit the belt due to injury. Brizango actually wins their the NXT tag titles from Imperium. Keith Lee's heading to Raw, and while there's no NXT champion right now, William Regal announced that there will be a fatal four-way iron 60-minute Iron Man match to determine a new NXT champion. Dude, so much all in that. Where do we even begin? Keith Lee to come out like, mm, 
I challenge you at payback. So we have ourselves a match at payback. When Randall, Randall Keith Orton versus the big homie Limitless Keith Lee. And I'm here for that because there's a lot of ways this can go. We're probably going to get to that a little bit later. Yeah, and, you know, everyone was quick to jump on the fact that, one, you changed his music. You're making him wrestle with a shirt on. Keith Lee was act, actually took to social media to respond about that. Actually saying, be patient, I got this. Yeah, man, like, well, we all noticed it. We skinked it and we noticed it. And it was a bit of a drag, but that that didn't take away from the fact that he pulled up on his first night and pulled up on Randy Orton. And the top heel of the company, top heel of Monday Night Raw, well, I guess the top heel of the company, too, and pulled up on him and challenged him right off the jump. That's almost like Chris Jericho pulling up on the rock status. Yeah. And, you know... I, I, I wasn't big on the, you know, the, the music change or the the outfit change. I didn't even really notice the outfit to like the match itself till 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 the match. Right. I didn't notice the uh, attire change and what they did and stuff. And of course, the music I did notice the music, but I found out why they changed the music. So I was like, okay, cool, you know. That's, that's kind of a political, you know, out of, out of his hands type deal. The outfit thing, that's a Vince thing. It's totally a Vince thing. He does this all the time. So, uh, is it is it kind of fat shaming? In a way, you know, Vince, Vince likes to take things from NXT and just break what's not broken. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know how you know those saying, "Don't if it ain't broke, don't fix it." Yep. That's Vince. He'll break. He'll mess with tweak something that don't need to be tweaked. You know, Kingsley is a big dude. You know, we've all seen him. He's a big brother, but he wants to put a shirt on him because he doesn't want to see you know the bigness and stuff. Because he takes him seriously, but that in a positive way, he takes him seriously though. While you have a guy like Otis on SmackDown who's always showing his belly because he's more of a comedy act. So that's funny. So you want to see him shake his belly. But with Keith Lee, he takes him more seriously. So I guess you take that as a, you know, as a positive, I guess, if you try to spin it that way. But still, I mean, Triple H didn't have no problem with it. And Triple yeah. H is a body guy. Yeah. You know, we, we see Triple H get hit them weights and stuff, Stephanie too. So, you know, if he, Triple H had no problem with us, why Vince does, but like I said, it's a Vince thing. Hopefully, they get over it, because mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty dumb. It's a pretty dumb thing to, to, to nick people. Yeah, but you know, with, as far as Keith Lee saying to just be patient, he's got this, hey, I am, it ain't about not trusting Keith Lee. I trust him. I have the faith in him. It's Vince I don't trust or have faith in. Because he tends to have a tendency to fuck things up from NXT. Yeah, dude. Like, ooh, man. He has, 
I've heard so many people that are kind of like worried, man. Like they're legit worried because they know like Vince has a track record of dude of taking dudes from NXT and just torpedo them or losing faith in them or whatever the hell, man. Keith Lee is like our last bastion of hope, man, because mm-hmm. he was so over like Rover in uh, NXT. And we're all like, if this dude can't get over on the main roster, there's no hope for anybody. He might as well keep Adam Cole there, because there is no hope for anybody. Tampa, don't even think about it. Nobody. Carrying Cross, nobody. There's no hope for anybody if Keith Lee can't get over on Raw. Or if he, if he loses favor with Vince, then that means there's no hope for anybody. Shut NXT down, like, or or just make it a brand amongst itself, because there's no hope for nobody. I mean, so, like, Keith Lee is like our last bash of hope, because we know exactly how Vince does. That dude, man, I'm not a WWE hater. I watch, I support, and everything. But man, if Vince don't kill his own, ooh, his own company, dude, there should be so many damn stars right now. Mm-hmm. There should be so many super ass stars to the moon. <laughs> like, like, uh, oh boy, like to say, I'm like, dude. He just doesn't, I don't know, he just doesn't get it. I don't know what it is. I don't know, but I'll say this. God help him if he actually has Keith Lee lose tomorrow at payback. I predict a swervish. I predict a swervish, some some, some shenanigans. Because, like, Retribution is supposed to be, like, making an appearance because of uh, uh, a post that, uh, Donovan Dijakovic had on his Twitter hmm. and I'm like okay you guys are like not subtle at all <laughs> i like really you guys are not subtle at all and when you decode everything it's supposed to be payback or like retribution some goofy stuff so apparently they're going to be making an appearance tomorrow at payback okay cool I call shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. Or shenanigans. I call shenanigans. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I don't want to see a clean pin loss for Keith Lee. I, what I think I, with, with Keith Lee is they're going to do something that's going to protect Keith Lee, but it's also going to protect Randy Orton, too, is what I think. Hopefully I'm right. But I hope I so. Think. I think they're going to do something to whether, he, whether it's... Uh, Drew showing up and doing something or whether it's Retribution showing up and doing something. I think they're going to do something that's going to protect Keith, but it's also going to protect um, Randy Orton too, so that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Now talking about the guy that, lo- that beat Keith Lee for the belt, you hate to see a guy have to forfeit the belt due to injury. I mean, especially somebody with so much mad potential in cross, because I was really looking forward to that title reign. But, man, a fatal four-way 60-minute Iron Man match to crown a new champion with four of arguably the best NXT champions to date. Finn Balor, well, Gargano may be iffy, 
just because he only held the belt for a month. And Tommaso Ciampa, who never really lost the belt to begin with. And the guy who many would could argue is the greatest champion to date, definitely the longest reigning, Adam Cole Bebe. And dude, we not only saw Tommaso Ciampa return, he is pissed. He is the Ciampa of old. Just ask Jake Atlas. Because he messed him up. But seriously, uh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Go, sorry, oh. go ahead. Go ahead, man. What were you going to say? Oh, all right. Oh, I, was, I heard the pause. I was like, ready to jump in. <laughs> um, man, uh, dude came back on one, man. I, I know that late that time off did him like. No good, because <laughs> he was he was on one. That's like when you stick a bad kid in the corner. They ain't doing nothing. That ain't nothing but letting them get give uh get time to think about all, all the crap and stuff they want to do to you when they come out. That's basically what Champa was doing on the time off. Wondering, thinking about all the crappy stuff he want to do to people when he come back. And that's what that's exactly what happened. Jake Atlas, I'm so sorry for you, blood, but. Man, he put, he put it on you. And then the DDT. Oh, he put the, he put the neck brace on. Oh, my neck. Oh, my neck. And then he took him off the stretcher and DDT'd him again. I was like, damn. The dude, he's already down. <laughs> the little Simpsons meme. <laughs> I was like, bro, he's already dead. <laughs> Man, Champa came back on one. And the fatal forward, that was that was definitely out of left field. Like Adam Cole said, this is arguably the Mount Rushmore of NXT. Can't argue with that, man. Finn Balor was like that dude when he was rolling. He was NXT when he was rolling down here, mm-hmm. man. He was NXT. And when he left, you had to shed a, 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 a alligator tear for that one. Um... Champa, bruh, him and Gargano, dude, that feud, that, like, from, from DIY, from them just barely being on in NXT, having a fight to get on NXT, him and Johnny, but I was like, man, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Champa are NXT, what a snap, you know, and then them having a fight to get a contract, and then them doing DIY and all those gangster matches they had as DIY. Then the turn. The turn her wild around the world. Mm-hmm. And then that blood feud, dude, these two were like the story of NXT. It's almost like tale old as time, song old as rhyme, baby. Mm-hmm. These two are like, they're going to be forever linked. And I'm cool with that. And then, of course, Johnny, Mr. Takeover. This dude, what is him and Adam Cole, him and Champa, him and Velveteen Dream. Dude, this dude has been Mr. Takeover. And then, of course, like you said, Adam Cole, baby. This cat, undisputed, putting dudes down, 
on the roof for like 400 plus. Man, this is arguably the Mount Rushmore of NFT. And these four are going in a Iron Man Fatal Forward. How the hell? Who came up with that, Jim? That's our first, baby. Can you do that? Is that legal? <laughs> I guess we're going to find out, man. I'm here for it. Yeah, and because of that added stipulation, I have no idea who to pick out of that. I mean, you, Balor has been back and pretty much held his own since coming back. Gargano, I, you know, since he's turned heel, he hasn't exactly had a whole lot of success. But at the same time, that the fact that he lost the belt after a month has to leave a bad taste in his mouth. But then you have Ch- have Champa. Another chance to get Goldie back. But the closest thing he could get to a little bit of retribution for Gargano screwing him over in their final confrontation. And then of course you have Adam Cole. Dude has a chance to become a two a two-time champion. Enough said on that one. Dude, I have no idea what to predict. Or who to pick. Oh, like, with me, logically dictate, logical dictates, that, of course, there's the who I want to win, and then there's the going against who I think is going to win. Now, who I want to win would be Champa, since he never lost the title. And there's still a lot you could do with that, with... I guess since Karrion Cross is gone, he could be the carry of the. He could fit the spot that Karrion Cross would have as champion. But logically, I think it might be Finn Balor because right now Finn Balor really isn't doing anything. Like I like his. I like the character he's presenting here in um in NXT. He's got a new lease on life and everything, and I like the way his character is rolling, but he really hasn't been doing much. Like, of note, as big as, big as he should be. Um, Johnny is did the heel turn, and he's he's been doing, you know, the Gargano way and wanting to reshape NXT in his, his you know, his, his, you know, fame is in his way. And... I think it's a little too early for that. Um, Champa just came back. And you kind of want to see him go after Goldie. But you kind of want to see him work his way up for that. And Adam Cole just got through being the champion. You know, that kind of started, as much as I love Adam Cole, that kind of started getting, you know, a little, it started, started growing a little hair, man. It started getting kind of old there. So that's why I'm thinking... They might put it on Finn Balor because there's a lot that you can do there with him as a NXT champion. Coming back down, that was his whole purpose. Yeah. So I, I can see them putting it on Finn Balor. So Finn Balor, Finn Balor. Yeah, I think of the two, it's going to come down to either Balor or Champa. Cole, been there, done that. Gargano, it's hard for me to picture that even happening. 
when he ha like I said, he hasn't exactly had a good win record since turning heel. Yeah, it's been kind of up and down, especially uh, he he beat he leave and he lost too, <laughs> so, and then he uh, um like he's been up and down, man. He's been hot and cold, up and down, and I think he's still kind of feeling his way around with this whole Gargano way thing. So I that's why I lean more for to uh, Finn Balor, right? Oh, um, winning. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to either Balor or Champa. Preferably, I'd rather it be Champa just because of the fact that it'd be regaining the belt that he didn't lose to begin with. Right, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, like personally, I'd like to see him win it for that reason, but I understand logically why he did because there's a lot more that you can tell with him chasing after it. Wanting, wanting to get Goldie back, there's still a lot more you can you can do with that, and I can I can see you know them putting like I said putting it on Balor because he hasn't been doing much. He's been dropping these good promos, putting on these good matches, but he hasn't been doing much. And there's not much else you can do unless you put that belt on him. Yeah, that's a good point. But um, definitely congratulations. Got to go out to Fandango and Tyler Breeze, Breezango, winning the NXT tag titles. And that's actually Tyler Breeze's first belt since, well, since ever coming to WWE or NXT. And, you know, I'll admit. Yeah, that was... yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was going to say that's been long overdue. Yeah, because I'll admit, I was never a big Tyler Breeze fan in the beginning. He has gotten better. And you know what? I think him getting a belt is, like you said, long overdue. Oh, shit. I was a, I was a Tyler Breeze fan from the uh, from NXT. I wasn't a Mike Dumb fan. <laughs> FCW. I'm not going to go back that far. Tyler Breeze, when he first started doing the Tyler Breeze thing in NXT, oh, man, he Yeah, and you know, I think the thing I, that kind of irritated me on Tyler Breeze, the beauty shot. I never liked that move. Dude, I, I totally agree. Like, I love the character, love the gimmick, I love his work, but that, man, 
that is not a finisher, dude. That's, no, it's not. Man, that, that's a jumping heel kick. That's not a finisher. That's like that's like the real you. It's not it's not a finisher. It's a regular move. Yeah, I mean, I just never could get into that. Everything else was perfect. The the entrance, the gimmick, it, I, he, all that was fine. But dude, you need a better finisher than that. That too, man. Most definitely. But definitely happy about that one. Um, and like I said, with a uh, SummerSlam. Roman Reigns returned, and then we find out on SmackDown, apparently, he's now a Paul Heyman guy. I'm going to make this bold prediction. I think he's walking away with the belt uh, payback. And I wouldn't fault you for that prediction either, man. as As a matter of fact, I doubled down on it myself. Dude, for one, the Roman Reigns, uh... A return was a shocker on SummerSlam. Two, this camp pulling up with Paul Heyman was a shocker on SmackDown. I told you how I marked out hard for uh, Keith Lee rolling up on uh, Randy Orton. Two, all through the night, uh, Adam Pierce, Flapper, and Adam Pierce was going was 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 on a mission for Vince getting these uh. These uh, autographs, these signatures for, for the contract side, for the championship match at Payback. He went to the Firefly Funhouse as uh, Postman Pierce, <laughs> which, was, which was crazy. And then he turned around, got Braun Strowman's signature after hooking him up with a match. Um, uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, he, he got him a match, um, got his signature, and then he had trouble getting uh, Roman Reigns' signature. He tried, kept knocking on him, nobody answered. So you wonder what the hell. Then finally, he gets down there. Roman Reigns wants to read it, and I was like, then he, then he went away. They went away, you know, camera cut away and stuff like that. You know, to him reading the contract. Then he comes back a little bit later, and he's signing it, and he says, "I'm gonna go to some, I'm gonna go to payback, I'm gonna beat the fiend, I'm gonna beat Bray, and that's not, you know, that's not a prediction, that's a spoiler." And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, "He better not say that's a spoiler." That's Paul Heyman line. Then next thing you know, he says it. And I'm like, "Wow, that was weird." But next thing you know, they back up and they cut over and who's sitting next to Roman Reigns but Paul. I was no way. Ah, dude, they got me, man. They got me. I went hard for that. And, dude, Roman Reigns is a Paul Heyman guy. You wild, they wild for that. Mm-hmm. Man, I, that, like, right now, if you were, before you were like, I, I don't know who's going to win. I think, I think uh, the Fiend's going to win. I think, not anymore. <laughs> I think Roman Reigns is coming away with that belt, man. Oh, man, that was crazy. WWE, I don't know, like, for the misses they have, they do have, they hit twice. 
They struck twice this week. So I'll give them that, man. I'll give them that much. They struck twice. Yep. And, I mean, you combine the fact that Roman is back, he's aligned with Paul Heyman, and the stipulation, it's a no-holds-barred match. Although, realistically, there's never been a DQ in a triple threat match anyway. And never a count-out. It's like, what are you going to do, count all three guys out? So, but, look, there's no... Let, one thing we know for sure, Braun's not getting that belt back. Been there. I don't see the Fiend holding the belt being a long-term plan. I've always said this, like, the Fiend's character doesn't really need that belt to be popular, be over. He doesn't really need it. So, SmackDown definitely needs a dude that's... That, to hold that belt, and that's definitely Roman Reigns, especially with him being as gone as long as he was. And now you added the whole Paul Heyman, Heyman thing. Wow, that just boggles the mind, man. Because now you're like, oh, what they're gonna do next, dude? This is what you're supposed to be doing, having people guessing, having people wondering, speculating, at home fantasy booking. This is man, totally. So I'm like, bruh. I think Roman Reigns is winning this this thing, man. The Fiend really doesn't need it. What he'll do next, I don't know. I could see him playing, play, continue to play with Braun because, like, if you see like the Alexa Bliss stuff, they they're teasing with her too. Yep. They they te- they got they they got her coming away feeling some sort of kind of way. That's. These little breadcrumbs, man. They're feeding the baby birds, man. They got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, and... Yeah, there's something going on with that girl. But, you know, we all... They made it official that Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax are actually teaming up to take on uh, Bailey and Sasha for the smack... for the women's tag titles. On one hand... I hate the fact we're still not getting Asuka versus Shayna Baszler. However, I'm telling you, something is going to happen that's going to really just ignite the further burn up the fuse that's going to lead to the explosion of Bailey and Sasha. Because you can tell just by the occasional moments, Sasha ain't happy right now. Especially on Raw, or I guess in a, in a whole, they're they're doing such a, a a a good point of detail. It's like when you get like that little. It's like when you're making a model airplane or whatever, and you have that little bit of paintbrush, and you just you know getting all the good nooks and crannies and stuff, man. That person that does the model model planes and stuff, or the model cars, they just have such an attention to detail. That's what they're doing with this. Because they brought up the fact when, when uh, Bailey was apologizing to Sasha, she thought, oh, she's apologizing for not, you know, having a back during the match and everything. She gives her the most backhanded apology. I'm sorry that you wanted to be the, 
that you wanted to be a double champion just like me. What? And then she turned around and said, I should have knew that you couldn't handle it. It was too much for you. And then she goes to hits her with the, I should have knew that you have a tro- you have a problem defending your Raw Women's Champion whenever you win it. Which is a fact that everybody knows. And, ooh, when she hit that line, you can hear the crickets. You looked over at Sasha, you was like, oh, girl, you gonna take that? Ha <laughs> no, she didn't. That face could, that look could kill. So, oh, man, they're just dropping so many, many little breadcrumbs and letting you follow along. And the thing with Nia Jax and, and Shayna Baszler, I know a lot of people want to see Shayna Baszler go against Oscar, myself included, of course you. But I kind of see what they're doing because they're either going to have them solidify and become buddies or that's going to lead into the two of them wanting to go against Oscar. Something's going to happen. And, of course, you're going to have to watch to find out. <laughs> so they're doing, a, they're doing a real good job with these women. They just need to build up the, uh, the SmackDown women. Yeah. Because they, cause they, they let them become like the fodder in this feud or whatever. They need to build those SmackDown women up. Uh, Naomi, uh, Nikki Cross need to get built back up. Uh, Tamina, if she can stay healthy, whatever, <laughs> all of them. They need to, well, I don't know where Carmella's been at. Let's bring her back. They need to build, the, like, the secondary women to build them up to challenge Bailey or Sasha or whoever becomes the champion, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. They need to build them up. Because they're just, like, spinning their wheels and stuff. Meanwhile, on Raw, you got Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. They're doing something. They're about to go after these tag titles. And, of course, you have Oscar as a champ. But you don't want Oscar to get overshadowed by this whole Sasha and Bailey thing either. Right. They already just got through with that with having Oscar win back the belt. I mean, look, they already had her fight uh, Sasha Banks, what, Four times, so it's played. It's over. It's dead. Yeah. So now that she's raw champ, you gotta give her some challenges now. So that means Fox, uh, uh, that means it's Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, and dot dot dot. Who else? Who else you got? You gotta give her something. You can't you can't let Oscar? You know, you gave her a clean win. Thank you. Thanks for that. You gave her a clean win. So now you got to roll off that momentum. She's the raw champ. The Empress of Tomorrow. She's on top. So let's roll with that. Let's see what happens next. Yep. Exactly. And I got to say, Sami Zayn returning. Didn't see that coming. Not at all. Man, like, that was weird. And you like turn around, you turn to look. Damn, it's Sami Zayn, and 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 he has that intercontinental title. 
Plot thickens. Corbin versus Matt Riddle. Remember to WWE and Corbin? We get it. Riddle doesn't wear shoes. Do you have to point it out every goddamn time? <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like when uh when um when uh James kept pointing out that, that Jeff Hardy was the alcoholic, like, no way. You don't say. And he just Get it, we see it. We just don't want to care about it. That too. That's like the least of our, our worries. That's like the the last thing we care about. Is is you walking around that damn crown on your head. That's what we worry about. You wanna talk about something. Grown ass dude walking around with a cosplay crown on his head. How about we talk about that? <laughs> right, exactly. I mean it's like, look, am I a fan of it? No, of course not. As far as I'm concerned, that it's, it's pretty much, to me, the equivalent of a guy flashing his junk in my face. It's like, I don't want to see it. But I also don't want it pointed out to me every single damn time when I'm trying to watch a match. Yeah, I noticed, I noticed the attire, shorts, no pads, and of course, nothing on his feet. I notice it's like a big ass zit. You notice, but you don't go saying nothing about it. You just take it as it is. We notice he does not have any shoes on. Want want do do. It is what it is. But of course, Baron Corbin being a heel, he's gonna have to nitpick and point it out and stuff because it bugs him. So I mean. It's kind of it comes off as kind of annoying, which is kind of what you want to do with Baron Corbin, but it's more like shut the f up, annoying. <laughs> exactly. But you know, moving into AEW, man, a lot took place with that one. So heading into All In, so Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho are gonna freaking explode if. Anything from the end of that show is shows any or shows us anything. Also, while Brody Lee may have taken the excuse me, Mr. Brody Lee may have taken the TNT championship from Cody, the war between the Dark Order and the Nightmare family is far from over. 
We also saw MJF and Moxley make their match official with, with the paradigm shift banned from the title match. But it's not going to stop Moxley from beating the living crap out of MJF's lawyer where the paradigm shift is legal. And if the lawyer don't show up, MJF forfeits his title shot. But also, Adam Page, is because he screwed over the Young Bucks from getting a title shot at him and Omega, and now FTR are the, ta- are the number one contenders, the Young Bucks kicked Adam Page out of the Elite. But the, I tell you, this is a collision course I hope we see happen at some point. We saw Brian Cage get in the face of Lance Archer, the Murderhawk monster, and the machine. Man, I love AEW. Man, bruh. I just thought it was gonna be like a a run of the mill. I knew it. Was, I knew it. Was, I knew with them being on Saturday it was gonna be a a lot. I mean Thursday it was gonna be a lot, but man, I didn't look like that. God dang, they did a lot. And um, man. Where do I start? God dang. Let's start from there. Dude. The murder hawk continuing to murder dudes and stuff and like a complete badass. Alright, cool. I'm here for that. But next thing you know, Brian Cage and Taz and Ricky Starks come out? What? Okay. You got Taz cutting in on uh, on, uh, Jade's Jake the Snake cutting in on Taz. Like, all right, man. But next thing you know, you got these two big horses in the ring across from each other. The murder hog and the machine. Oh, snap. But come to find out, they're both going to be in the all-out casino battle royale. What? Where the winner gets a title shot? What? Okay, man. And then you got Darby Allen comes out of nowhere and attacks Ricky Starks. I love what the two of them been doing because it kind of went from Darby Allen and Cage, but once they did that, the they, once they did that spot with the skateboard, it became Darby Allen and Ricky Starks, and I love that because now you got Ricky Starks involved in some stuff, and he's been doing some good work. Man, I've been a Ricky Starks fan since uh, NWA, uh, Power. And then when he came over, I was like, oh, man, they got Ricky Starks on there. Not because he's just the New Orleans boy, but you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying. But, man, dude, cut in. That promo he did on on Darby Allin last week was good. (laughs) He came out in the Darby Allin face paint. Talking all emo and stuff. Oh man, that was so dope. But then the beat down. He just sat there and was just talking down to him, dude. Ricky Starks is gold on the mic. I love it. That that battle royal is gonna be some, something else, man. That's gonna be something to watch. Um Well, yeah, real uh, quick, I was gonna say while you mentioned Ricky Starks. <laughs> he I guess uh I guess Darby Allen. Well, he learned a, got a little bit of pay or deserved that payback from Darby Allen when Darby Allen skateboarded in and just beat the living piss out of him. <laughs> he beat him 
Oh man, but he just went after him like a he went after him like a hungry dog to a porterhouse. Mm-hmm. And man, um what I told you about them breadcrumbs, feeding the baby birds, man. Adam Pays and and and, and FTR. Man, there's so many things to unpack with that. Like, dude, he kind of reluctantly did it, and then when he, when he, when he, when he helped, uh, when he helped uh, best friends win, he was kind of like, he did it, and then he kind of regretted doing it. He couldn't even look at them in the face, at the Young Bucks in the face. The young Bucks just yelling at him like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? He couldn't even look at them. Because he was so shameful. And he just walked to the back. And they put that spotlight on him. And then when he was in the back drinking by himself. Oh, yeah, we knew you were going to be in the bar by yourself drinking. Big shocker. They were, man, they cut in on him. And they officially cut ties with him. Kicked him out of the elite. Man. And he was just, he couldn't say nothing. He couldn't even look at them. It was like he was having buyer's remorse. Like, he was like, you know what? I think I messed up. And he barely touched his drink. His drink was still full. No, I was saying the drink he had in his hand when they caught him at the bar, his drink was still full. <laughs> that would hang, man. He would That thing would have been down already. Yeah, he was just sitting there shaking it around, nursing it. Because he was just thinking, dude. Thinking, you could tell he was... That was one of those drinks where you sit down at the bar and you thinking, you you thinking about what you did, your actions and stuff. He was thinking. That was a thinking drink, and they they came over and took that drink out of his hand. You alcoholic and threw it in his face and stuff. Dude, he is like mad con- conflicted because FTR got in his head when he went and, and G checked them over what they did with the Rock and Roll Express. And him and them and Tully and everybody got all in his head and stuff, man. You know, they got they got in his head. So he comes out and he interferes in the match to make sure it's gonna be him versus F, uh, FTR. I mean, versus FTR versus Heyman Page because he doesn't want to be in the Young Buck shadow like like FTR said. But then when he did it, he thought about it. He was like, man, you know what? I think I might have messed up. So there's so many things that can happen in this match. And meanwhile, King Omega has been going on a slide, uh, downward slide. Like, we've seen him be, like, the weakest link of the match, and it's been bugging the crap out of him. But then we've seen him after the match take his liberties with dudes. Supposed to be the baby phase now, and he's trying to kill members of the Dark Order. He's trying to kill uh, Marco Stunt. He's just, and you see him like little cracks, like like him going full cleaner and stuff. So you got that, and then you got Tully Blanchard rolling with FTR, and the way they look up to that dude, there's so many things, man. These breadcrumbs. Feeding the baby birds, man. I told you, bro. I told you a couple weeks back. These little breadcrumbs they drop. 
is feeding these bears, man. Keep keep a, keep a, keep a watch. You gotta keep a watch. Everything's everything says something, man. And they man, they sure as hell they've been telling a good old little story too. And it's gonna come to their head and all out. So so keep keep picking up them breadcrumbs because I'm pretty sure they're gonna drop some more uh next week. But man, uh, everything, dude, everything. Uh, Moxley and and MJF contract signing, dude. The lines they were dropping on each other, dude. That was good. That was some good stuff, man. Tell that hot wife for years. I'm single. <laughs> bro, I was like, no, you don't. Oh no, he didn't. But how much of a boss is Moxley? Seriously, dude is just such a freaking boss on the mic. Is he? Like, dude, he, he told him, he told him, when he went on, uh, MJF cut that line on him about his hairline, he told him, I said, oh, yeah, don't worry, it'll happen to you soon. <laughs> when, you, when, you go through, when you finally go through puberty, <laughs> I was like, oh, he got him. I was like, but that was, that was some on-the-fly type stuff. But, yeah, when he got him at the end with that, um, with the contract, yeah, page 17. Those are the 16 pages. No, page 17. It's like, oh, what? Yeah, he's got the rock. He puts his arm around the, around the uh, lawyer. He's like, yeah, I'll bring your crash helmet. See you in the ring. <laughs> and when he adds, hey, I thought, when he added not only, hey, I thought you were a lawyer. And then he goes, hey, maybe I should be a lawyer. <laughs> he's having so much fun. That was so... But I loved when he said that about the paradigm shift, like like it didn't bother him that his move was banned, saying that do I wanna would I love to drop you with that move again? Absolutely. Would I love to drop you on your head a half a dozen times? Yeah. And cause you some neck damage? Yeah, probably, because personally, I just don't like you. But then just saying to him, nothing you say matters. Nothing I sign on this contract matters, cause come all in, you're a dead man. Dude, he said he's the, the part that got me was when he said not having the paradigm shift doesn't matter because it's just gonna force me to be more creative, which is more dangerous. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you should have seen MJF face, yep. dude. <laughs> he's like, oh, I think I effed up. Yep, he's just giving him a whole, whole plat buffet table of all the different ways he could hurt MJF. And dude, uh, the last thing I can think of is, not certainly not least, Cheetah and Thunder Rosa. Now, I was thinking about this, at first it was just like, Wishful thinking. I remember a couple of weeks ago, it was just like wishful thinking. I looked on Twitter, and a lot of people were throwing, man, uh, she needs an uh, opponent. She needs an opponent. That'd be dope if this person. That'd be dope if this person. That'd be dope if this person. And then the LaRosa's name came up. And I was like, well, LaRosa, isn't she with NWA? I don't think they do that. Next thing you know, they started picking up steam. Picking up steam, and I see I followed Thunder Rosa on Twitter. I seen her throw a name out there, and I was like, "What? She wants a piece of this? Okay, that'd be cool." 
Next thing you know, they make it a reality. Thunder Rosa versus Akaru Shida at All Out for the title. And I'm like, I'll be damned. But next thing you know, not only did she cut a promo last week, this week they, they, they show a promo and it is narrated by Billy Corrigan. And I'm like, what? Okay. Uh, they got footage. They got footage of her stuff from the Indies and from NWA. I'm like, okay. Could they be doing like a, a little, you know, joint promotion type deal? Like, you know, handshake, buddy, buddy, you know, y'all not running no shows right now. Let us, you know, do something with y'all. That'd be cool. But this right here, man, fine. She has like a credible uh, opponent. I'm here for that, man. I'm definitely here for that. Yeah, you and me, you and me both, my friend. But, um, but like I said, first off, that table match with Hart with Hardy and Sammy, Sammy got busted open something awful. Jeez, you look at the wound on his head. Good God. Oh, man, that was bad. And then that twist of fate, he, uh, Matt Hardy gave him. Wow, bro. Yep. But then hit Jericho, who's been doing commentary the whole night. He hears Orange Cassidy's music. He don't even get the chance to react. You just see Cassidy sprint and just start wailing on him. Those two are going to blow up. <laughs> Those two are just going to freaking explode. Man, I, I, I'm not going to lie. The whole Mimosa Mayhem thing is kind of hokey. And, but I, I, I I'll, give it a, I'll give it the benefit of it until I actually see it. I know somebody's going in that thing. Somebody is. I don't know if it's going to be either one of them. It may be one of them in the circle. I don't know. Uh, we'll, I, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt until I actually see it. So, you know, it is. I know this, I know this is a dope feud. I'll, I'll give them that. It's definitely elevating their orange casting for all the all the haters. They're like, he can't cut a promo. He's not serious. This is a comedy gimmick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, will, I definitely will see how this plays out. You and me both on that one. By the way, one thing, side note, sport-wise, one thing I'm happy about, the Lakers just beat Portland and are now advanced to the next round. Oh, boy, they lucky, too, because they were caught if they didn't. Because I remember it was like a, maybe a couple of weeks ago. No, I mean, be last week. Last week, when, this, when the uh, playoffs started, they said they were going to come out uh, and they were going to introduce some um, some jerseys uh, um, in, you know, remembrance of, you know, Kobe Bryant, Mamba. And I was like, Mamba inspired jerseys for the second round? I was like, how about y'all get out the first round first? I said, ooh, if they ain't bulletin board material, then what happens? They lost that first game to Portland. I was like, oh, Everybody lost their mind, man. ESPN lost their mind. Everybody was going in like, bruh. So, yeah, the fact that, you know, it didn't hurt that Dan Little got hurt, too. So, 
there, there was that. But man, that would have been that would have been so huge if they didn't get out the first round. Man, that would have been. Mm-mm. But was, oh, who, 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 do they do they know who they're uh, facing? Uh, in a second. Um. They're playing the. They're gonna play the winner of uh, Houston and who they're playing right now. I, I forget who they're playing, oh, but OKC? yeah. Oh man, oh that's that's that'll be that'll be that'll be interesting because they went against uh, Houston when they were playing the small ball. Yeah, and it didn't cut. It didn't really work. <laughs> it yeah. didn't work. It didn't work too much. <laughs> so man, oh that's that's that'll be interesting. I would I would rather like to see them. I know that'd be kind of a stretch, but play play against the winner of um of uh Dallas and uh and uh the Clippers. But man, uh that that'd be pretty man. Either, either way, that that'd be that'd be a pretty interesting uh, uh matchup. So yeah, it's cool, it's cool. Yeah, so and Houston took a three two lead in that series. So they're one more game away from advancing. Yeah. But, you know, I kind of had a feeling Lakers were going to take this series anyway after that shellacking they gave Portland a couple nights ago where they scored 85 in the first half. Yeah, I think I think Portland used all their juice up in that first game. When they came out and played that disrespect card and, 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 and gave L.A. a good slap, that was it. That was a wake-up call. That was the... They, they were, there's no more underdog after that. They were like, uh, okay, Portland means business. And then LA showed up after that. So that was a wrap after that, man. You, you they used up all their they used up all their dragon balls on that one. <laughs> they used them all up. They used all their wishes on that first game, man. So yeah, after that LA was like, uh, oh, no more playing, man. We've been we've been sleeping on that. We slept on that first game. So they was wide awake for the rest of them. And that was a wrap. Then, then when uh, Dame Lillard went out at that knee, that was a wrap. Yeah, not to mention that somebody else had gotten hurt during that game. So the second they lost somebody else, I was just like, okay, yeah, that's a death sentence. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, definitely got to give props to TBS. They're playing Black Panther, and before they started playing it, they said, in memory of Chadwick Boseman, rest in power. Uh, most definitely. And, you know, as we transition into the sports and entertainment stuff, here's what I got to say about, because they hadn't even started filming Black Panther 2. So as far as what should they do about the sequel, in terms of should they recast, here's what I say. Don't recast. Because uh, if you if anybody follows like the comic book or whatever, his sister takes over as Black Panther. And that's my point. Is that look this as much as I bashed about like the change with Batwoman, this is different. The sister becomes the Black Panther. We know this. So this is different. Now and even if you look, you're never gonna get anybody. It, well, it's not so much you're not going to get anybody that will do as good of a job as what Bozeman did as King T'Challa. But no one is going to accept 
seeing anyone else in that role other than other than Chadwick Boseman. The only other one that you probably could have done, you had him as Killmonger. And even that would be yeah. an iffy. Yeah, most, yeah, I agree. So, the way I see it is like you had said. Look, in the comic, the sister becomes the Black Panther. Let that happen. Yeah, man. Like, like right now, like, as, as it goes like about black actors, I don't think, like, out of respect that anybody would want to, want to try to fill his shoes. You know, of course you want to work. And you want you want to get good roles, especially when it comes to the MCU, because you know there's like a long lifeline for that. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of jobs, a lot of paydays that can come and work with the MCU. But you know, they wouldn't want to do it not not only because you know the shoes you'd have to fill, but out of respect, they probably wouldn't want to do it. And the same way um, with uh, with uh, Marvel. They probably wouldn't want to try to fill it because, you know, yeah, you can find a talented young actor to play, to be T'Challa, but man, he made that such his role because he was the first one. So he he made that his role and he's like synonymous with that now. So to do that, would it'd be like very problematic. So they could most definitely you know, pay respect to him, but also continue, you know, the storyline, and on top of that, stick to the source material by having his sister Shuri take over, and, you know, they can, they can give a nod to, to Black Panther during the, you know, T'Challa passed away, you know, in, in you know, in, in the storyline, and uh, you gotta take. You must take over. You must take. You must lead our people. That sort of thing. And they could pay homage to, to, you know, the character and the actor at the same time. Exactly. So, in my opinion, I think it'd be in the best interest for them, and more accepting for everybody else, in the sense that you just that you just go with that storyline because. Realistic, like you had said, who is going to want to even attempt to try and take over that character after Chadwick Boseman's passing? I don't think, out of respect, like you had said, I don't think anyone's going to want him. Nope, them, them, them some big shoes to fill right there. And plus, you know, from a storyline aspect, there are so many things you can do with that story that could galvanize so many people. Like, she just lost her brother. And, you know, she, now she, it, you know, like they say, heavy is the head that wears the crown. She was never prepared to be the thing, but now she has to be. And right. She has to do, she has to do right by her brother's um, memory. And she also has to do right to the throne and her people of Wakanda. And whatever threat comes up. So there's so many things they can do with this story. There's so many things they can do with this character. You can build her character. And we can then, just like we had to learn about T'Challa and what makes him tick and what makes him uh, a good king, now we get to learn about her. And we get to learn about Shuri and her and, you know, her, what her mind is and stuff. There's so many things they can do 
you know, I know it's a tragedy and everything, but it also kind of opens up, you know, some in, uh, interesting story they can tell with making her the new Black Panther, the new Queen of Wakanda. So many things they can do with this. Exactly. And, you know, I know some people might use the argument, well, they tried other actors for The Crow after Brandon Lee. There's a difference. Brandon Lee, all due respect, didn't have the cultural impact the ch- and shockwave that Bozeman had in playing that character. I mean, you had mentioned earlier when we talked about this, about you had we had Blade. Blade was not the first black superhero. That was the Black Panther. And that was during a time where few people even wanted to touch the idea of a black superhero. And and it was done. That's how big this is. And Bozeman took on that role and made it into an art. It's basically become untouchable. Yeah, with, with um, man, there's a like, there's a there's a a lot that comes with uh with what he did, man. Like, like you said, uh, with Brandon Lee, man, that was a shocker, and it really hit hard because. You thought about his dad, everything. You thought about Bruce and the way the way he died and stuff. But you know, it wasn't at that time. It wasn't like that big. It was a shock, yeah, and it did hit hard. But it wasn't that big that you couldn't replace him with somebody else. And of course, they tried to do it with the other Crow movies. But with with Black Panther, nah, man, you can't. Uh-uh, you can't do that. It's, it's, it, 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 it doesn't even feel the same. It just, you can't even, you can't even put, put your finger on it. It definitely doesn't feel the same as with the crow. Like, you definitely, especially with a mask. Black Panther wears a mask. But you know, that's, you know, Chadwick Boseman's face. He, he is T'Challa. So, you're like, you definitely, you definitely couldn't do that with him. Like replace them with so and so, and like, mm, nah, it's, it 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 wasn't it wouldn't feel right. So you'd be watching the movie, and even though you know it's a character, it wouldn't feel right. So yeah, like, like I said, like like we both said, I'm definitely down for, you know, them transitioning to making this, you know, uh, Shuri. His sister as the Black Panther and telling her story. Not only because it's a fee, another female hero, but because there's a, there's so much story they can tell with her. Right. Like I stated before, there's so much they can delve into on a personal level. Yeah, I mean, like you had said, the idea of her taking on that mantle, being the first queen of Wakanda without a king present and just taking, filling the shoes of her brother. I mean, that, that speaks volumes just in itself. And Hey, you're already bringing in, bringing back Jane Foster as the female Thor. Why not? Why not go this route? Right. I mean, like I'm man, I know the community, 
mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. All, all the things they can do with it, all the things it could stand for, what it would mean, like, they, they would all be all be behind. Of course, you would have, like, the little pocket of people nitpicking and stuff, but, man, fruit them, whatever. Not the, the huge, the percent that matters would definitely be behind it. Yeah, and in all honesty, what are you going to do? Just not do it and act like anything with Wakanda never happened? Fat chance. Nah, man, uh, that's definitely a part of uh, a huge part of the Marvel landscape now. It's, it's a puzzle piece. It's like that one puzzle piece you lose and your whole puzzle looks all kind of goofy because it has that one hole. That's basically it. Like, you can't, you know, oh, let's scrap the Black Panther movie because, you know, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da. No. That's going to be a big gaping hole in your big picture. So, I mean, there's an opportunity. I know it's tragedy, but there's also an opportunity to not only continue on with the Black Panther story, but to tell a new story as well with Shuri becoming the Black Panther and you know maybe there's some opposition from some of the Wakandans because she's a female maybe there's some opposition there and they're like you'll never be what your brother was you'll never be what T'Challa was or there's no such thing as a female Black Panther and that sort of thing maybe she faces some opposition you know and of course there's the whole personal thing with her losing her brother she has to kind of put that to the black, the back burner. You know, she wants to mourn him, but at the same time, she has to go forward because the, because the, her country needs a leader. So she, she she doesn't have time to stop and mourn because she has to put her people first. And there's a lot of stuff. Next thing you know, there's vultures at the gate. They, they, they smell blood in the water. There's no Black Panther. Let's let's go after Wakanda and, and their vibranium and that sort of thing. There's so many things they could do with this. I know if I'm thinking of this stuff, I know Kevin Kevin Feige and Marvel are definitely thinking about this. Yeah, I mean with how vocal everybody from cast, even as far as crew like the Russo brothers, have gone and speaking about Chadwick, they want to honor they want to honor him. And that's the other thing that for for Shuri also is that as well as mourn for her brother, she'll want to honor him. She'll want to bring the same honor to that mantle that he did, that their father did. Dude, this would be like the... If you thought the first Black Panther movie was emotional, this next one would be very emotional if you see her overcome and remember her brother and 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 rally herself up rally her country up in remembrance of her brother and and all that dude it would be you wouldn't see a damn dry eye in that in that theater i put it on everything then that would be that'd be a very emotional movie absolutely 100 percent agree with that and you know, when I had said that the only other actor that you could probably even attempt to take over or take the role of T'Challa, you already used him for Killmonger. I don't think even he would feel right doing it. No, I don't think he would, man. I, I, like, especially even if he didn't play uh, 
Killmonger before. I don't think he. I don't think he'd take that because, like you know, he's he's very serious actor. I don't think he would even think about you know putting his feet in that in them shoes. Definitely. But let's hope, let's hope they that they do the right. Let's hope. Well, at this point, I would trust Kevin Feige with my firstborn. With, with the Marvel stuff. So at this point, I have faith in him that they'll do the right thing. Yeah, they're they're pretty good at sticking to like the source material, and it's right there for them. It's right there. Yeah, you might as well have a light up sign over it. It it's hard to miss. I mean, you don't have to stretch like, oh, we gotta make a reason, or we gotta do this, or like, no. He he literally dies in the comic book, and his sister has to take over. It's right there, dude. You don't have to stretch or nothing. Exactly. Now, um, on the other side of the spectrum. Some uh, new, some flash news that we got for season for season seven. Despite concern, now that they're at the pro, at the time we thought there was going to be no Ralph Dibney, Sue Dearborn, played by Natalie Dreyfus, will return in season seven of the Flash. And they did announce that yes, they will recast Ralph Dibney, but. It will be a brief appearance only to write off the character. So even though they're going to recast Ralph Didney, don't get attached because he won't be sticking around for too long. Eh, it is what it is. I'm, I'm here for the Flash. I'm not here for the the Flash secondary characters. Right. So it is, it is what it is. You know, just, you know, tell me the... the as, as long as the Flash is there and whoever he's beefing with, the core cast, cool. I mean, that was, you know, eh, it, it is what it is. You know, it, it sucks that you got to recast and all this other stuff, but uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't that big, that big of a deal. To me, it wasn't. And truthfully, Dibney's character had kind of started to become a little, uh, kind of been a little minimal at as of late with the series. So it's not like he was constantly in there. And, you know, it's like, yeah, this, the Flash is still the vocal point because, frankly, you're still wanting to see how Barry gets his speed back and how he gets his wife back. So that still remains a constant. So... And look, I liked the care. I liked the the way that Dreyfus played this, the character of Sue Dearborn. So I, I'm I'm excited to see more of her because I actually thought she did pretty good. But we'll see how that goes. And I must confess, I did watch Bill and Ted face the music. And I wish I didn't. I I tried, man. I really tried. But memo to Keanu Reeves. How about you try doing this movie again when you come out of your coma? Seriously. 
Nobody looked and sounded more tired or bored in that movie than Keanu Reeves did. I get it. He's 50, but he's he sounded like he was half asleep half the time. Or just gritting his teeth thinking, oh, mother of God, get me out of here. Now, I have some positives out of it. I liked they had William Sadler back as the Grim Reaper. Um, I did like that in the future they showed the old phone booth. And it had a hologram of Rufus. So that was kind of their way of paying homage to George Carlin. I did like that. The ending, I'm not going to say what happened, but the ending felt a little anticlimactic to where I was just like, that's it? So I was just like, eh, this is pro." This is probably one of those movies where they would have been better off if they just didn't do it. Now, I watched it earlier, and to me, I enjoyed it. Especially the way, it thing, the, the way things have been so far this, this year, and not to mention this week. Hurricanes and deaths and all kind of other stuff. You know, this was a movie that you just sit back and watch and enjoy. And there was some points that just made me laugh. Like, right off the jump, I was laughing. And I was like, man, this is crazy. I'm like, you know, it was just a real, a real, it wasn't the greatest movie, but it was a real fun movie. You know, parts of it did seem kind of rushed, like the ending did seem kind of, you know, anticlimactic, like you said. But I guess it kind of like wanted to, you know, close the book on things, which it did. Uh, I enjoyed, like, the end-end scene. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Right. I liked it that. Uh, and that was a good way to close things out. Um, but, like, to me, it was it was a real fun movie, you know? That would have been, like, way better. I don't know how. Maybe if I watch it again. And, like, this time, at first, I just watched it just to enjoy it. The, if I watch it again, it'll be to, you know, pick, pick here, pick, pick there. I change this, pick, pick, you know, observe and stuff. But for the most part, I enjoyed it. They had a lot of callbacks for the previous movies. <laughs> Damn, Missy gets around, dude. <laughs> the funniest to me was still from the second one with Ted going, I can't believe Mitzi, Missy divorced your dad and married mine. And then, like, well, next, and then next, next thing she'll marry you. Yeah, then you'll be your own stepdad. <laughs> <laughs> that was wild. I remember that. But this one was wild too. I'm like, dude. Missy gets around. Yeah. <laughs> really? He's like, yeah, you're all, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, now you're your own stepson. <laughs> yeah. He told Bill's dad, he's like, dude, yeah, now you're your own stepson. <laughs> oh, man, that was so wild. They had so many parts in the movie where they used complicated things that confused everybody, and it was just funny. And I, they did kind of find a little workaround over the fact that their kids were actually girls. Because 
Ted did say his kid was named Little Bill, and his daughter was named Billy. And Ted or Bill's kid was Thea instead of, well, kind of a take on Theodore. So, okay, I guess it kind of works. Yeah, they, they kind of wiggled out of that because they show was boys last time I looked, man. They, they wiggled up, they wiggled their way out of that one. Yeah, but um, I gotta, I'll give him credit. Uh, the actors they had playing uh, Jimi Hendrix and uh, Louis Armstrong did did all right. Oh, they were good. I like I liked it that part. Uh. I like them playing uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix playing outside and playing with uh, Beethoven. I mean, not Beethoven. Mozart. Yeah, was, uh, Mozart. But, but about that Mozart. Sorry about that Mozart. That was that was tight. And they were just going back and forth, back and forth. They said that we just started playing together. I liked it, that part. Um, man, what else? <laughs> uh, Louis Armstrong, they, they showed him the camera phone. <laughs> they were showing him the footage of Jimi Hendrix on the camera phone. Man, yep. what's that doing you got there, man? <laughs> hey, fellas, come see this. And, man, that was wild. Like, dude, you know you didn't have TVs back then. And it's sitting there yeah. looking at the picture <laughs> phone. <laughs> and how. That was funny. And how Jimi Hendrix, he didn't believe that was Louis Armstrong. Then when he when he blew the trumpet, there was no mistake in Louie with that one. Oh yeah, he, he put his he went he went and turned the corner. Then he came back and turned back around. Yeah, he was like, oh yeah, that's him. That's definitely him. Yeah, nobody can nail that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I they actually had the soundtrack of that movie and including that song in the end that they played that unites the world and reality. I like the sound of it. I had to. I ended up buying oh, that yeah. song. So I dug that one. But, you know, it, it was not a terrible movie. I just feel like, you know, kind of what I said, they were kind of pressing their luck by making this movie. But in terms of the trilogy, compared to the other two, I think it was the weaker one. Oh, yeah, most definitely, like, like the first one was was like great. It was monumental. But the second one kinda outdid the first one and that's a rarity. Right. That's a rarity to have that a second the sequel outdoes the first. There's only been like a handful of movies that have actually done that. And this was one of them. And then the third, you know, there was such a, a long stretch of time between them and which, which happens a lot of times with with, uh, with the second and third movies. Because, you know, some, sometimes they're like, you know what? We're not going to touch it. We're not going to touch it no more. We're not going to touch it no more. But then you have like a real fan kind of outcry. People like really want to see it. And that's what happened with Bill and Ted. Like, a lot of people wanted to see a third movie. And they were always like, eh, nah, nah, nah. The next thing you know, you had... Keanu Reeves with that resurgence in like like the early 2000s with the Matrix movies and everything and then he resurged again with um with the Wick, John Wick movies and stuff so you're kind of like hey, 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 Keanu Reeves is still doing stuff what about everybody else 
and they they always kept they always kept in contact over the years. They never like him and Alex Winter always kept in contact and stuff. Him, Alex Winter, and the creators they always kept in contact because they was say they would always come back if the story was right, and they always you know there was always you know a tough time coming up with a story to tell. So when they did with this one, they felt it was, you know, the right time. And to me, you know, they told the right story, especially the way the world is right now. Man, it's like they like they almost predicted this. Because this because the way the world is right now with the division and everybody going through something and of course the virus and stuff. You know, we need something to bring the world together. And I like how they told that story without, you know, being so subtle. Yeah. You know, this was like a, like, they they went through time, uh, the, the daughters went through time putting a band together to help them write this song. And it wasn't so much, you know, we wrote it. It was like no, we all wrote it. Yeah, that that's the thing I did like out of it was that, and just like made me th- like what you had said about the way the world is now, and just that you know, if we if we have any hope of of evolving, we can't be divided anymore. This all the division, all the diversity, this shit needs to end now. 100% agree. Like, I, I, that's why that was that was another takeaway I had from the movie that I like so much. You know, like I said, the, they dropped breadcrumbs in there too. And I caught, I caught that, and I was like, you know what, man, that was that was real good. It's like, you know, it's not just, you know, for for the longest, Bill and Ted thought they were gonna be the ones to write this. Um, no, it was like a passing of the torch, like. No, we're here to be your fans. We're part of your band. And they, you know, supported their daughters. It wasn't about them no more. It was about their kids. That's a, that's part of life. You go through most of your life thinking it's you, you, and then you have kids, and then you're like, you know what? It's not about me. It's about you. Like his daughter, their daughter said they were their biggest fans at, at the beginning of the movie, but now it's the the roles reversed. They're they're fans. I'm here to support. They're here to support them, and I like how they did that. Like I said, there was a lot of emotional stuff in the in the um in the movie. A lot of you know a lot a lot of things because. You know, for the longest, they've been underachieving. Mm-hmm. They've been underachieving for most of their life and stuff. you got a family to think about. And their wives are like, you know what? I, I, I want to support you, but I can't. I don't think I can support you anymore. So there's that part. And then there's like, your yeah, kids are 24, man. They're, at, they're just like you. you got to do something about that. You know, there, there was that part. Being influential on your kids and whatever. There was that part. There was so many things 
that Bill and Ted had to deal with on top of the fact that they have to write this song that's going to unite the world and save reality. They have their own families they have to deal, you know, take, they have to deal with as well. So there's a lot of things that was going on in, um, in this story that I liked, that they had to deal with. And then the part where they, uh, they met their elderly selves, that was pretty cool too. Because they were like, I'm, it was like almost like a, like a love letter to themselves. Like, I, I'm like, I'm sorry I disappointed you, Bill. Bill told, old Bill told young Bill, I'm sorry I disappointed you. He's like, no, dude, you never disappointed me. I was like, man, I was like, that really poked me a little, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt, I felt that when they were talking to them old, their old selves and stuff. That was pretty cool. I liked that the guy argued with himself. Yeah. Dude, dude, when Ted was sitting there beefing with uh, the other Ted. <laughs> oh, man. When they were playing in the, uh, in the, uh, in the little big hall. Oh, dude. That was stupid. Like, dude, your own self's a dick. <laughs> he was kind of dickish, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't help but wondering what happened with, like, with um, the actresses that played uh, their the princesses, their wives, why why they couldn't get the other one? Just I don't know. Just kind of gonna be help but be a little curious about that one. Uh, I didn't. I didn't really have a problem with it. Like I didn't. Like I kind of didn't notice at first until I did. And at that point, it really wasn't a problem. Yeah, it wasn't a problem. I just couldn't help but notice that part. I mean, I don't know what the deal was, but, eh, who knows. But, you know, say this. After this, after the week we had with all the losses, hurricane, etc., I've never looked forward to a to Starship Painful more than this week, man. Just gives you a chance to take out some of that on something that kind of deserves it. Unfortunately, I only got two. I only got one Starship Painful movie and two Starship Painful songs this week, and both songs are covers. First one, let, let me ask you this. Uh, you remember the song September by Earth, Wind, and Fire? Dude, if, you, if I know where you're going with this, yes, I do remember that song. <laughs> yeah, well, I wish I didn't remember that Taylor Swift did a cover of this. Dude, I did that a couple of weeks ago. Um... No good cover has a banjo in it. Dude, I literally, uh, we literally did this a couple of weeks ago when I said Taylor Swift did the cover of September and had no damn business doing it. Dude, that damn thing was horrible. Yeah, I can forgive Taylor Swift for a lot of things. I cannot forgive her for that goddamn song. Yeah, 
Phoebe's the dot that. Like she she does she has her fans. She does you know some good stuff, but man, she she needs to stay in her lane, bro. Like she literally needs to not do that again. Agreed. That was so dis- that was so disrespectful. <laughs> And the other cover song that I have as a Starship Painful song. Do you remember the band? Nothing. Uh, you remember the band Real Big Fish? They did that song Sellout. Yeah. Do you remember the song Nothing But a Good Time by Poison? Yeah. Real Big Fish did a version of Nothing But a Good Time. And it's horrible. It honestly... Oh, hell no. It, I won't even subject you to that song right now. Just, it is... It sounds like... Somebody doing very bad... Like, somebody trying to be a cover band and doing that song. And it's horrible. And, ugh. I, like, I heard it, I was just like... And here's the thing. I don't even consider myself a fan of Poison. There's only like two songs that I really like by them. Okay, three songs. I forgot about another one. But that song, like, look, all due respect to Real Big Fish, he should have just left well enough alone. It is, it's truly bad. But do you have any Starship Painful songs to contribute this week? Um, man, it's, I got a cover song for you, man. Like, dude, I, I'm a real, real big Weezer fan. And, man, like, I love so many of their songs, so many of their albums, dude. But they did a cover of Africa. I knew you were going there. Oh, God, I knew you were going there. And you know what the story with that is? Some some random person on Twitter said, you guys should do a cover of Africa, requesting it. And then they did it. And I'm like, and you know, my dad said when we talked about it this afternoon, he said, I didn't like that song when it came out 20 years ago when Toto did it. Oh, nah, man, I don't know about all that. I, 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 I like the song and everything. I like the original. But, dude, man, I, I love Rivers and everything, man. But, nah, dude, Weezer, y'all sitting there. Nah, bro, that was one of those, you got to stay in your lane, bro. You got to stay in your lane. I th- Well, I think my brother and my dad, they compared the uh, the, the cover by Weezer of of Africa to to uh, Russell Brand's African Child from Get Him to the Greek. Dang. <laughs> like one of the like where they said that it is the worst thing to happen to Africa since since war and famine. And I'm like, oh Jesus. Oh, but Dang. and here's the th- Weezer did like a whole album of cover songs. But they, isn't the point of cover songs, you do your own take on it? And all these songs were pretty much note for note, the exact same song. 
Like they did Billy Jean by Michael Jackson. They did Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. And I'm like, they just sound like the same song, but with a different singer and not very good. I know, man. Man, the second you were talking about Weezer, I knew you were going there with that song. Yeah, unfortunately, man. Like I said, I love Weezer, but... This was like the one, the one egregious thing. And here's the thing. I'm usually pretty passive. I was able to listen to that song the first time, but you know, the more I heard it, I liked it less and less to the point where now the song just repulses me. Yeah, man. I, when I heard that, I was like, man, we just did Africa. And I heard a friend of mine already told me how they felt about it. I was like, Man, we usually, you know, click-clack on the same, you know, wavelength when it comes to music. So, if he didn't like it, I was like, mm, he might be saying that because he loves that song. My friend does love that song. So, I was like, eh, uh, let me listen to myself. Let me listen to it for myself. And I heard it, and I was like, okay, I see what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I first heard it, my reaction was, it's not bad. It's not good, but it's not bad. But then the more I heard it, the again, the less I liked it. So, yeah. Did you have another one to throw out? Nah, man. That's all I have for this, this week. I have two movies that are Starship Painful to me. One, and the reason why I'm saying this is Starship Painful is not so much for the movie, but it's for one of the people involved in it. And it's the 007 movie, The World Is Not Enough. And here's my reason why I'm saying it's Starship Painful. Denise Richards. That girl cannot act to save her own life. And you're having her as a nuclear physicist? It's like, how do you even say that and her name in the same sentence with a straight face? I kind of get, I kind of get your reasoning now because when you said that, I was like, hmm, wait a minute, <laughs> hold your horses, wait a minute. I said he's gonna have a reason, he's gonna have a reason. And when you said that these pictures, I was like, oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, that was totally unbelievable. Like, dude, uh, she's gotten a little better because I recently seen her on. Um, on Bold and the Beautiful, uh, daytime soap opera on CBS. Right. Mm-hmm. I've recently seen her, and she has gotten better. She's she's pretty good. She's pretty good on there. Um, but yeah, like the the best thing I seen her do before that was maybe Wild Things, and she didn't do too much in there. Yeah, well, she wasn't in there for her vocals, that's for sure. Oh hell no. Uh-uh. And, yeah, I know she was in the movie Undercover Brother, but, you know, I like the movie in spite of her, not because of her. No, I'm not going to lie. She was pretty good in that because she was just playing, like, so innocent, dude. So, uh, I'll give her I'll give her that one, too. But I'm saying like, she wanted the re- I'll I'm give her that one. Like, it's not because not she, she wasn't bad in it. Yeah, but I'm just saying the reason that movie was good... She was not one of the reasons that movie was good. 
That movie was good for a lot of other reasons. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can't do that. Can't do that. Can't, can't die a player like that. You were right. You were right. The movie was good. Not because of her, but she wasn't bad either. Well, yeah, I'm not... You know, she, she played her part. She played her part, and it was good. Now, if she was bad... You would say, man, she was bad and everything else was good. No, she was also good because she played that innocent, uh, the innocent white girl and stuff, and everybody did. She felt everybody was fawning over her and drooling over her and stuff like that. That was pretty good. She played her part, and she did good. So you got to give her props for that. Yeah, I'm not downplaying her performance. I'm just saying she's not one of the reasons why that movie was good. And that's kind of like a backhanded compliment almost. I'm just saying, all I'm saying is that the movie was already good. But, mm, yeah, yeah, but good, yeah, here's yeah, where I'll go. Movie, yeah. The part I'm that cracked. I'm just saying she didn't suck in it. So she didn't bring down the value, but also she, she, she just wasn't a long for the ride. She played her part. And she yeah. the part. Okay. But the part that always cracked me up in that. She shows up at the Brotherhood headquarters, and they all pull guns on her, including Smart Brother. And the chief goes, what are you doing bringing a white girl into my house, boy? <laughs> that boy was dope. Yep. <laughs> that, and I liked when um, Sister Girl goes, goes, he had sex with a white girl. And everybody, including Neil Patrick Harris's character, go, oh, was it everything I dreamed of? And you hear the chief go, did the carpet match the drapes? I'm like, oh my god. Uh, You know, spoiler alert, I'll put that. That's my Starship Painkiller movie, is that one. Yeah, that that was a classic. But, um... But another one, I I forget, but I forget if I had used this one already. But again, clean slate, so I'll add this one to the list. Jonah Hex. I don't think yeah. I know we talked about it before, but I don't think yeah. Yeah, well, I'm putting that on the list now. Jonah Hex. Look, I love I love Josh Brolin. This is definitely one of the one of the forgettable superhero movies. And one of the reasons, Megan Fox trying to do a southern accent. Oh, Lord. I don't ever talk about Megan Fox and acting in the same sentence. Yeah. Look, I, I gave it the benefit of the doubt. And Brolin does well enough as he can. But this was almost the spirit kind of bad. I mean, set Megan Fox aside. You had Josh Brolin as the hero, and you had John Malkovich as the villain. And how do you still find a way to manage to fuck that up? That's very interesting, man, because, I mean, damn, that that pretty much sets itself up. Like, wow, John Malkovich as the villain? Wow, that's a stretch. (laughs) Yeah, really. But, um... You know, is the the job that the guy that on Legends, 
that played Jonah Hex, did he do did he do the character more justice? Oh yeah. By a country mile. Yep. Nobody's gonna deny that one. That guy was perfect as Jonah Hex. This movie, however, was not. But those are my only Starship painful movies. You got anything to throw in or <clears throat> Nah, man, because I usually steer clear movies that I have the, uh, the the distinct smell of bad on them. So it's very rare that I come across a movie where I actually did watch it and uh and had high hopes and stuff, and it just crushed my soul. If I haven't already said them, then I must have like buried it in my subconscious or whatever, like like you know, like I had some like PTSD or something, like dude. Don't ever talk about this movie again. Bury it, bury it. <laughs> Just bury it in your emotions. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just bury it. Like, man, there was this one movie, but I don't seem to remember. Don't remember, don't remember, don't remember. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I got, for the Starship Painkiller songs, I got quite a few of them. And you know, the way I look at it with the Starship Painkiller songs, you and I have thrown out so many horrible songs out for people to avoid at all costs. I think it's only fitting that we have the songs that would actually be the opposite effect. So, so the first ones, the first two I'm going to throw out, since after when I revealed How Do You Talk to an Angel by the Heights as one of my Starship Painkiller songs, and you said just let it roll, I'm going to throw that... that that's basically my mentality with this from this point. So the first two songs I'm going to throw out there. I like the songs. I can't think of any other songs the guy did, but these two to me, I find, I don't know, I find them relaxing, however you want to put it. Just Another Day and If You Go by John Sakata. Wow. Yeah, I'm really going old school with that one. Magic Eight Ball didn't see that one coming, and dude, that that uh, just another day, bro, that hits hard, man. Oh yeah. I remember, I remember when I was a little kid, and I used to hear that on the radio, and driving around in New Orleans, man, with my moms and pops, dude, like man, that hits hard, dude. Good yeah. Call, good call, good call. Yeah, I always like, especially just another day. I always like that one. Next, <sighs> the next one I got, um. Showtime's been showing that documentary biopic on the Go-Go's. I know everyone will say they love We Got the Beat or link that, of course, to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. For me, if I had to pick a song that all, that kind of was a favorite of mine, of the Go-Go's, it's got to be Our Lips Are Sealed. Wow, that was a good one. Yeah, I, I always liked that song. And this next one, just to show proof, not all cover songs are bad. This one I dug. It's the cover of Sympathy for the Devil by Guns N' Roses. And if you haven't heard that one, you did if you watched the end credits for, for um, Interview with the Vampire. That's the song that Lestat's playing at the end of that movie. And it took me a bit before I realized that was Guns N' Roses. 
So I was impressed with that one. And the next one that I got, I had already mentioned Aerosmith as, as one, but this one I didn't mention. Dream On. Oh, that's a classic right there. Absolutely. That song goes with anything. And this one, I know you'll know this song because a lot of us know this song. And if you didn't if you don't know this song, you've been you have to be you had to have been living under a rock. Thin Lizzy, the boys are back in town. Like who has not heard that song in this lifetime? And finally, the last. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. A lot of us say it's very popular. Yeah, I think it was their only hit, but it's it's a popular song. But the last two songs that I got, I actually heard this, heard one of them, while driving around this morning. And it is. And it made me think of the other one that I like for this group. Seether and Volcano Girls by Veruca Salt. Wow, that's interesting. I dug those songs. They also did a killer uh, song called uh, Spider-Man 79 that was pretty, pretty badass. So those are my Starship Painkiller songs. So, T5, any of you want to contribute? I always figure the Starship Painkiller songs is a pretty easy category. Just whatever, any go-to songs you got. Man, like, I was just recently uh, revisiting some, like, Aretha Franklin, dude. And, dude, she could wail, man. Like, she did this. This isn't my pick, but, you know... I guess you could. I guess you could if you wanted to. Um, uh, it's it's an old gospel song, dude. Uh, Mary, don't you weep? That she does. And it's so soulful, dude. That isn't my pick, but you know, for those out there that that want to listen to it, it is very, very, very good, dude. She's very young when she sings this, and she can wail. But my pick, it, my uh, actual pick is. Uh, pink Cadillac, you know, go riding on a freeway, oh love, dude, that song right there, dude. That's <laughs> a, a classic song, dude. Mm-hmm. Upbeat, fun song. Oh yeah, and, you know. Side note on the on the group, I did a poll of who had the better version of "You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman" between Aretha or Carol King. Look, I knew Aretha would win that one. But there is something beautiful about Carol King's version. There is, yeah. Like, like a lot of people, uh, synony- they, they feel you know that song is kind of synonymous with Aretha Franklin. But yeah, yeah, that version is is, is really good. They're both good in their own right. So there was mm-hmm. no there was no wrong answer with that one. But obviously, the go to, and I'm not surprised by, is Aretha Franklin. Right. What's well, an so what's an, another one you got? Um, another pick I had, and I thought about this. Uh, when it was Thursday, when um I was watching uh, AEW and Billy 
Corrigan uh, popped up doing the narrating the narration for uh, um, putting over um, Thunder Rosa, thinking about smashing pumpkins and uh, song uh, uh, tonight tonight by by smashing pumpkins. Dude, I I had listened to that song in like years, dude. And for some reason, I felt like listening to it like the other day. And sure enough, it it just it just it's almost it's almost like a a, a time machine. It's like, what was the first time you were when you heard this song, dude? And sure enough, that just took me back right there, man. It's not even an old it's not even a real old old song. It's like a '90s song, but it took me back to the '90s, dude. Honestly, I would probably go as far as to say. That might be my favorite Smashing Pumpkins song. Dude, that's not my favorite. Or one of, at least. If if there was a top three, yeah. that would definitely be it. Yeah, it's definitely it's one of, but it's not my... It's, personally, it's not my favorite. Like, my favorite would be Bullet with Butterfly Wings. That's also in there. That would pro- Actually, you're right. That would probably be the top one for me. But it's definitely up there, though. Yeah, and I think think third for me would probably be 1979. It's good driving music. That's like maybe between my third and my fourth. Yeah, I think it would be like my third. It would either be my third or my fourth. Nope, nope. It would probably be my fourth because I like Ava Adora next. All right. Dude, like, the video may be kind of weird, but that song, dude. Yeah, that's true. That's, it, 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 I don't know, man, it was just, it was just so different, you know? It was so different from their usual stuff, and I liked it, you know? So, I, yeah, i definitely go with, uh, maybe, to me, Ava Adora would probably be either, like, their third or their fourth with me. All right. And you got any other songs you got? I, I, walk, I walk that line, dude. I, I rock a little different, man. I rock a little different. <laughs> <laughs> I rock a little different, dude. Uh, I'm wired a little different, man. Um, Dude, this is like my go-to happy song. And it's Queen. Uh, don't, don't stop me. For some reason, that's like my go-to happy song that I put it on, and I just like I'll start cleaning up, <laughs> I'll start playing stuff, I'll rearrange stuff. <laughs> I'm just listening to that and just going, dude. There's something about listening to Freddie Mercury that just evokes some sort of feeling, whether it be one feeling or upbeat feeling or something. It's just something about Freddie, man. That dude can wail. Yeah, I agree. You know, I almost—that's I, one song I almost forgot to throw in by Queen. I'm not gonna go with one of the more of the obvious ones. I'm gonna throw in one just because there's something about it that I just find appealing. Princes of the Universe. Ooh, dude, that was my freaking ringtone for the longest. Dude, I'm me and my best friend are such hot. Highlander marks. Mm-hmm. That's why. That's why I I had to throw that in, man. That's 
I mean, just the intro and and that I am immortal. I have inside me blood of kings. I'm like, damn. <laughs> story like when like playstation 2 was popping me and my friends used to play like we used to play hella madden turn have madden tournaments or we would have like fighting game tournaments like tekken or street fighter or whatever dude whenever me and my um, friend would square off in like a madden tournament like about five or six of us we would have somebody, whoever's on a computer, cue that song up and crank it. And we would go to town on each other. Or if we were playing Tekken and we were going about to go against each other, we'd have them crank that song, cue it up and crank it. And that was our jam, dude. Princes of the Universe, oh, dude. Yeah. And actually, there's one Starship Painful movie I forgot to throw in. That was hot. It's one of the Highlander movies. Highlander, The Final Dimension. Man, that one, huh? I mean, as much as I love the Highlander and Adrian Paul and all of them, man. Oh, 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 man. That was, that was one of those meh. To me, it was meh. And part of it is because originally it wasn't called the Final Dimension; it was called Highlander Three: The Sorcerer. And for whatever reason, they changed it. And Endgame, Endgame was a better movie to me than than yeah, Final Dimension. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I like that it had Duncan McCloud and Connor McCloud in it. Right. And there was a cool scene when after Duncan kills Jacob Kell and the quickening's taking place, when the lightning strikes strikes Duncan and he's screaming, it flashes between Connor and then back to Duncan. Mm-hmm. The only issue I had with that, with Endgame, the ending felt a little anticlimactic. He's just at Connor's gravestone and that's it. Yeah, it did, yeah. It, it, it kind of, yeah, like you said, it felt kind of anticlimactic. I liked the movie, though, but it, that part did feel a little flat. There's one thing in the director's cut that movie had, the watchers that kidnapped Duncan in the movie, that, um, that, uh, his, that, who's, uh, that one watcher that's friends with Duncan? Ooh, Richie? I mean, um, not Richie, um, dude, I know what you're talking about. Um, Darren, I ain't seen it in so long, I know what you're talking about. Oh, man. I know he, I know you're talking about, but I, I can picture his damn face, but I haven't, um, watched it in, like, forever. I gotta look that up, because that's gonna drive me nuts. Dawson. Dawson. That was it. There's a part in... There's a part in the director's cut where during the fight with Kel versus Duncan, those same watchers are ready to kidnap Duncan again to make sure the 
that they don't they don't end up destroying each other. Duncan tracks them down and shoots them. So he stops them from stopping the fight. But just want to throw that one out there. But um, any other any other Starship Painkiller songs to throw out? Oh man, Did, didn't that happen? Uh, shit, I thought it was four. I was that because I was trying to. I didn't write it down. I just had them in my head. And then once we started talking about Highlander and Prince of the Universe, dude, that just that just me, dude. It just wiped my it just wiped my whole like if I had a dry erase board for a brain, it just wiped the whole uh, board off. <laughs> Too, dude. But I was thinking about man, I couldn't have been thinking that dang hard for yeah. that fast. <laughs> well, if, I, I, if, it, if it comes back to me, I'll use it next week, dude. But yeah, like that's that's it for me right now. I can't, I can't remember what it was. Well, yeah, it, it'll come, it'll come back to me, and I'll, I'll use it for next week. Well, I think we can agree on this this one. I don't think there is a such thing as a bad Queen song. Right. painful song but in retrospect when I picked that I was going by a worst songs list because I was running out and dude like personally I like it like dude like it's not even a Rickroll before even Rickroll was even a thing dude like I just like I just liked it because it was so 80s ish it was so like it wasn't even like American. It was very poppy. It's a very poppy song. But then when you go back and you watch the video, the video is kind of funny without trying to be funny. 
Like, you laugh at some of the stuff that they do. Like, he can't dance worth a lick, dude. <laughs> he can't dance worth a save his soul, bro. He's just, well, never gonna do it. <laughs> they have the bartender who just in there shining glasses. He's just all happy. <laughs> oh, bro, they have so many things in that video. The song is just—it's just an upbeat, fun song, dude. And you know, you know the words. I'm sorry, you can't sit there and say you know. They got so many people that downplay that song, but they know the words to the song. It, bro, it's just. Man, I lo- I like it. Like we would sit there and, and get rip rolled, and then we would sit there. Next thing you know, we're all in the never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, one I was gonna say that one uh, one song that kind of sticks out to me as something of the '80s. There were two versions of "Rock Me Amadeus." One of them goes for almost eight and a half minutes long. That song does not need to be nearly ten minutes long. Dude, that's a Coheed song. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm saying that song should not be that long. Damn, eight minutes? Mad hell, in what country? Oh, it's a version here. Oh, I'm definitely going to look that up. There's no way that that song should be eight minutes long. It's some kind of remix of it, but I'm just like, man, why the hell did they make a version of it that was that long? Craziness. Whenever I I hear uh, Rock Me Amadeus, I automatically think of the Bloodhound Gang. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) The song Pac-Man on Crack? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Ooh, rock me over this. Ooh, rock me over this. <laughs> Holy guacamole. Holy guacamole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, as far as Starship Painkiller movies that I got, I only got one new one, but this, these ones fall in the same category. 42, Get On Up, and every Marvel movie that featured Black Panther in it. If you haven't seen him, do it. Oh, most definitely. But the one movie outside of that that I will throw in as a Starship Painkiller movie, I bring up just because I was listening to the Ralph Report the other day and it, um, Vice host Eddie Pence, his pick, which got a little bit of ridicule. And I was like, oh, come on. This is one of my all-time favorites. The Great Outdoors. That movie's a... I love it. Yeah, I liked that movie. It was one of those movies when visiting my grandparents and they had the dish. We played that movie, and I loved that movie. I mean, given Dan Aykroyd has done some movies that were kind of stinkers, this to me was not one of them. Not a lot of them, no, man. Like, like his his early stuff. He wasn't one of them. weren't that many stinkers. Then you got John Candy, like, bruh. I, I, I don't know about, I don't know about fist fight, but I'll fight somebody over a John Candy movie. Oh yeah, but um, what I liked was that, that um, when they were barbecuing, and Ackroyd goes, you know what, this guy wanted to serve hot dogs. 
You know what those are made out of? Lips and assholes. <laughs> and then you have the raccoons, always raiding the trash. Yeah. And the subtitles. <laughs> You're like, hey, Illinois plates. If they're from Chicago, we'll be eating good tonight. And then they knock over the cans. Hey, lobster tails. A shitload of raw hot dogs. And then one of them goes, you know, you know what those are made out of? Lips and assholes. <laughs> and let's not forget John Candy eating that big ass steak. Yes! Dude, he had to finish all of that. He was like, he couldn't move, man. Oh, man. And then when he said, the guy said, that ain't the last bite. Well, sure it is. Oh, it's not just some gristle and fat. And I'm like, oh, good lord, no. Dude, all you heard was... <laughs> yeah. All you could hear was his stomach, dude. It was so good. <laughs> and Aykroyd goes, not a problem. Oh, and uh, if I if I could shove a dessert down, I think I'd get some Paul Bunyan hats and shirts for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and when the bear knocks the door down, is on top of him, and he's it's hopping up and down on him, and Candy's tapping at it, it's like, I give, I give, I give, uncle. <laughs> but of course, the end part, when the bear got shot in the butt, and then the raccoons are like, hey, what's with Josie? You didn't hear? She got shot in the ass. Oh, no, don't tell me. Yep, she's bald on both ends now. <laughs> Oh, that movie was classic. Oh, man. But, yeah. I don't see how that's an unpopular opinion, man. That was a good movie. Yeah. But, you know, another one that I'll throw out there that, to me, I watched it the other night and it still withstands the test of time. Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. I mean, having those four in there... I mean, well, technically, it was first, originally three. You had Harold Ramis, Bill Murray, and Aykroyd. Then you add in Ernie Hudson. And, you know, the second one wasn't as good, but it had its moments. Like the whole courtroom, the courtroom scene. That, that, my client... That restrangement order from that lady over there. My clients could be exposing themselves. And Bill Murray goes, and you don't want us exposing ourselves. <laughs> that was great, but... <clears throat> yeah. Like you said, to, to me, that movie stands the, the, the test of time. And it's, it's still good to this day. You know, and it's weird because, like, over the years... A lot of stuff would come out about the movie, like, like I heard like rumors that you know at first it wasn't a rumor, kind of got confirmed that the Bill Murray was originally supposed to go to Eddie Murphy, but he was doing Beverly Hills Cop. That was like the that was like the beginning of his huge run after he left SNL, and he was supposed to do Ghostbusters. But he was do he was already signed on to do Beverly's Hills Cop, so they went with Bill Murray. See, and I was like, man, dude! I was like, if they would have had Eddie Murphy and, and uh, as uh, Peter Vagman, I said that would have been wild. See, you heard that? I heard something completely different. Here's the thing that I heard: John Belushi 
was originally supposed to play Bill Murray's character. But he... What? I never heard that one. Yeah, but then he died before they could actually do it. So to kind of pay... Tri- oh. To kind of pay tribute to Belushi, Bill Murray took the role. And it makes sense, but like I said, I, from from the, what I heard, you know, it was originally supposed to be, um, uh, Eddie Murphy, but he was doing Beverly Hills Cop. Um, I forgot what it was on. It was on, it was on like a uh, a documentary or something. I don't know if they talked about it. I don't know if it was um the uh, the. Uh, the Seinfeld um, thing he does on Netflix, uh, riding with comedians in cars, getting coffee, whatever the hell. I forgot the name. Of the, 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 I forgot the proper name of it. I think they talked about it on there, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I, I'll look it up again to find out where I where I heard that at. But yeah, I heard that, and that kind of that kind of shocked me. I was like, whoa, for real. So I gotta I gotta read isn't that and I'll 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 hit you up when um when I find find out where I heard that from right specifically you know that's the one movie yeah, yeah point point is point mm-hmm. is a dope movie it's still a dope movie absolutely and even the effects were ahead of its time dude like the fucking ghost man Slimer like <laughs> Baker what happened he slimed me. And yeah, he, like, um, oh, what else? Freaking, uh, Marshmallow Man, dude. <laughs> I love that. And when they're trying to take down, take him down, and Pink Bing goes, hey, wait a minute, we're going about this all, all the wrong way. Mr. Stay Puffed, he's an okay Joe, he's a sailor. We get this guy laid, we have no problems. Yep. <laughs> 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 he's like, everything you can think of. And yeah, when when he goes, I tried to think of the one thing that couldn't hurt us, Mister Stapuff. He goes, nice thinking, right? (laughs) (laughs) But I liked when they realized Ray was the one that thought of something, and he goes, I couldn't help it; it just clicked. What? What just clicked? Yeah, that that was a great one. And, you know, that's the one movie that got delayed, which I was actually looking forward to seeing, was that was that true sequel to Ghostbusters with Egon's grandkid. Yeah. I wanted to see that. Me too, me too. Like, they find the old equipment, they find the Ecto-1, all of a sudden there's a surge of ghosts in the country area. Not to mention Aykroyd, Murray, and Hudson were all supposed to get involved with that. Yeah, man, I was I was down for that, especially when I heard um you know the story behind it, or as much as they wanted to leak out <laughs> the story behind it. Yeah, I was I was here for that, man. I was ready for that. It cannot be any worse than that all female Ghostbusters. Oh Lord, have mercy. And no, I'm not hating it because it was an all-female team. I hate it because it sucked. Like, I like I like each of 
of the comedians, comedians in their own thing. Like Kristen we killed on Saturday Night Live. Dude, Melissa McCarthy, she kills damn near everything she does. I just wasn't feeling them all together. It didn't have that chemistry like you had with Hal Raymond, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and then Ernie Hudson. You just didn't have that click, that chemistry that they had when you're sitting there watching the scene. Like you said, uh, with the um, with the Gozer scene, where um, um, uh, they, 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 they got to think of something. They got to think of the form. Think of the form of the Destroyer. And next thing you know, it's Stay Puff. That part right there, the, 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 uh, the part that they're playing off each other and that part, dude, you didn't have that with them. That's the thing. Like, when you got it, you got it. You just, it's like lightning in a bottle. And that, that affords you the chance to do a sequel. And right. the sequel, I was definitely feeling, bro. I guess, I guess it's the 80s kids in me, the 80s kids in, in me. I like the, the the Bobby Brown part they put in there. Yeah. I just did. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I love that song, yeah. man. I left the theater singing that song. It was a good song. Dude, I liked it. And then, oh man, and then you know you love. Dude, that song got stuck in my head. Oh and my God, yeah. Like, dude, like, like I'm like, they got that in this. And she told me about the song, Jackie Wilson, and I was like, wow. So that's a thing. I mean, like, that's the old school. It's like, oh, all right, cool. And, uh, man, just, just, the, not, it was everything. It was all that. Of course, it wasn't as good as the first one, but it was still good to me. So this thing about the, the female Ghostbusters, they didn't have that. Even though it was their own iteration, they didn't have that chemistry that, the original recipe Ghostbusters had. It didn't have the chemistry or the heart that the others had. That's the problem. Right. Right. Like, you know, they were dealing with the the, the, the city not believing that there's ghosts and blaming them for this, that, and the other. They didn't have that with them. No. Um, not to that degree. Yeah. And... You know, it's almost like with that Charlie's Angels movie that recently came out, and Elizabeth Banks thinks that it's because it was all female. No, it's because it was a shit movie. Yeah, you like everybody came like she was the only one that, that said that because everybody else was like, no, it was a very crappy movie. Like if you if you if like the original, uh, not original, but the movie. Charlie's Angels, the first one they had with Drew Barrymore uh, and Lucy Liu and that, ca- that cast, that was good. This right here was eh, not even, not even on the radar. One because it was poorly, it was poorly casted, and two, it was poorly um, endorsed. Like, like nobody even knew about it. Yeah. But when Charlie's Angels, when those first, when those two Charlie's Angels movies came out, everybody knew about it. Right. I mean, she th- she said how she thought, saying how I guess the I guess the society's not ready for a female led movie, 
Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel, both had a strong female lead. So you're really going to act like those didn't exist? Yeah, not to mention you starred and you starred, wrote, and directed the movie, and typically, usually that's a death sentence. Come uh come on, Cletus. Come on, Cletus. You can't be out here writing the movie, out here producing, and then you're gonna go ahead on and direct, you're gonna star in the movie too. Who do you think you are? You can't do that sort of thing and expect a successful movie. Come on, man. Seriously? Of course she's going to sit there and, and make it seem like it's somebody else's fault. Nobody wants to be the director of a crap movie. That movie, like, dude, for what you... you if you're going to reboot a movie, get some people that act, they actually want to see in the damn movie. You only had one person that anybody knew in that movie... And they didn't want to see them do anything. Oh, yeah. Kristen Stewart can act. We know she is. Let's not go that far. Like, we're not going to do her like Rob Pattinson. If we're going to do for one, we got to do for the other. We we know that Rob Pattinson is not Twilight. He can act. So... When you're going to see the Batman, don't think of Twilight. Think of Rob Pattinson. Same way with Kristen Stewart. Now, you you think of Twilight, and you may hate the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She can act, but... But... This isn't one of them. This isn't... I'm sorry. This isn't one of them. Well, saying that Kristen Stewart can't act, that's a little debatable. I have I have seen Pattinson and other stuff outside of Twilight. The Lighthouse he got a lot of praise for. So, so that one I can agree with. She, she was funny on Saturday Night Live, dude. I give her I give her okay. For that. All right, yeah, that that's true. I like that damn Totino's commercial. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> to me, that was. To me, that was pretty funny, man. It's funny to me. It's like they had like so many different Totino's commercials, but this one they had, they're sitting there <laughs> making out and stuff. Like, hey, hey, hon, where's those Totino's at? And they're sitting there over there doing pottery and, and, and rubbing on each other and stuff. It was stupid. Yeah. But, um,. You know, one uh, Starship Painkiller uh, TV show that I want to throw out, you know, we praised Batman the Animated Series, we praised um, X-Men. One that I don't think we've really acknowledged enough, and I'm gonna, which is my pick, is the Superman Animated Series. Man, Superman Animated Series is pretty good. Here's what I liked that they did with that. Yes, he's the Man of Steel, but you still found a way to still make him look like an underdog. 
look vulnerable enough to where you thought he might actually lose. Or where at least the odds looked against him. Like you had Livewire. Could actually hurt him. You had Parasite. You had Darkseid, Metallo. Like what they did with him in every episode was he had to find a way. Yeah. To, oh, he had, he had to find a way. Like each of these each of these villains could get at him. He had to find a way to defeat them. Yep. I mean, you had Tim Daly of Wings fame voicing the Man of Steel. You had Clancy Brown just nailing it as Lex. And you know, we mentioned Dana. We mentioned Dana Delaney with Exit to Eden, her voicing Lois Lane. Right. But how it also introduced so many other characters. Like, you had Kyle Rayner as Green Lantern. You had, you had um, Aquaman. You introduced Doctor Fate, and that was a good one with Fate. That was a good one. How he had just. He just wasn't willing to fight, but then he eventually showed up, and when Superman asked him what what changed his mind, and he said, you, you didn't yeah. stand a chance, you would have been killed, but you still went back. But let's not, of course, not forget the world's finest trilogy. The three-parter with Batman and Superman teaming up for the first time. I like the episode with the Flash. That was another good one. And the one that really blew me away, the one with Apocalypse invading, or with Darkseid and his forces of Apocalypse invading Earth. And he killed Dan uh, Turpin. And just seeing Superman just snap and just smash, smashing Darkseid's machine so hard, the whole city shook. But then that the finale, that legacy two-parter, where he just went after Darkseid. And let's not forget, you had Michael Ironside voicing Darkseid. Dude, like, that was my favorite iteration of Darkseid. He was so menacing. Yeah, like, he was cold-blooded, just evil, like, no conscience, no remorse. And even when Superman was fighting him and when he struck him down and said, that was for Dan Turpin, a good man you murdered. And all Darkseid could say was, if I had known one man's death would cause you such pain, I'd have killed more. Yep, dude, he was a fucking, dude, he was a beast, bro. And even when he had beaten Darkseid to within an inch of his life and told his slaves they were free, they still helped him up. And he just said, I'm many things, but here, I'm God. And even when he wanted to go after him again, Supergirl telling telling him, don't do it. You play by his rules, you're going to kill somebody, and it's not going to be him. But, jeez, in the final, in the, in the end, Darkseid got the last laugh. He turned the whole, he turned the whole earth against Superman. They now were living in fear of him. And it even carried over in Justice League. That his hatred for Darkseid never fa- never wa- waved away. 
He never forgot what he did to him. Yeah. That two-parter where Brainiac invaded Apocalypse and Darkseid wanted to seek the League's help, only for him to later backstab them and try to use Brainiac to create the anti-life equation. Superman was willing to fight Darkseid to the death until Batman pulled him out through the boom tube and later said to him he's not worth it. And all Superman could say to him was, you know something, Bruce? You're not always right. I mean, he, he, there was nev- he is the only guy that I can ever recall Superman truly hating to where he wanted to end him. Dude, another character I liked that they uh, had pop up on Superman was Lobo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that was a classic. I think he appeared three times. I mean, you had the two, the main man two-parter, but you had that episode where he introduced Maxima, and after Superman left, all of a sudden Lobo crashes in, and then she starts crushing on Lobo. Yeah. But yeah, I liked where um, when the preserver was wanting. He ordered Lobo to return to his cage and he goes, Who's gonna make me? Then the preserver transformed and Lobo goes, I gotta stop asking that. <laughs> and when he goes, What what made me think a creature like you could be worth saving? And he just goes, I got a cute smile. But you know, the thing that the character that I had heard of but never knew anything about until that series. Orion. I knew of him. Oh, yeah. I never knew he was Darkseid's son. Yeah, man. Uh, the new gods. Yep. But I liked the three times that they did have, like, you had the one where Superman showed up to Gotham because Batman disappeared. But then you had that episode with Ra's al Ghul where he tried to siphon Superman's strength. That one goes unmentioned a lot. But I liked where after um, where after they beat him and Batman says to him, I have to give you credit. Using Ra's love for Talia, I never would have thought of that. And when he says it'll need... Maybe there's some hope for this team up. And Batman just uh, smiles and just goes, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I definitely like the, uh, the, the relationship between uh, Superman, Batman, Bruce, and Clark. It was like and a mutual the, respect. The, the, way they played, the way they played it out is the way we always wanted it, but we never had it, especially with the original... Uh, um, Batman uh, animated series, they didn't have the Superman. So when they did Superman and Batman at the same time, we were like, okay, cool. We finally get what we always wanted. Yeah, that's why I liked in that, in that when we talked about that last season of Batman, when they had Supergirl crossover with that one, and when he called for Clark and he, she asked, who's asking? And he goes, a friend. Get, get him this message. And she goes, shoot. Then he just says, Livewire escaped in Zeus and Gotham. I was like, damn. 
You gotta give credit. Lori Petty did a pretty good job voicing Livewire. Yeah. Yeah, you had some killer voice killer voice actors for that one. I mean you had Brad Garrett voicing Lobo. You had Malcolm McDowell voicing Metallo. And that was another one that they introduced in that series that was actually pretty decent when they introduced Steel. Yeah, a lot of people you didn't think were voice acting and stuff like that popped up on uh, on Superman. And you know, when they introduced Kyle Rayner's Green Lantern, not even Hal Jordan, they it was they skipped all the way to Kyle Rayner. Nobody had an issue with it. That was wild, but Kyle Rayner's always been one of my favorite uh, Green Lanterns, so I definitely didn't have an issue with it. But it's kind of wild that they, they, you know, three over and went and went straight to uh, Kyle. That episode was pretty much how I memorized the the Lantern Oath. Like when he when he. Like, when he recharges the ring with the lantern, that was like after that, it just stuck in my head. Yeah, as long as it wasn't Guy Gardner, I think everybody would have been cool with it. Yeah, I remember getting like this like little novelty replica of the ring of the lantern ring at a convention once, and the guy said to me, "I'll sell it to you, but what's the lantern oath?" And I cleared my throat and said it. I think he was surprised he didn't think I would actually know it. Oh, see. Like, if you, if you, if you, roll, if you roll hard with Green Lantern, you definitely, you definitely know it. To quote Tyrion Lannister, that's what I do. I drink and I know things. Yeah, I, I know stuff that I'm not, that I, I shouldn't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a total surprise to some people. Like, like, don't look at me like that. <laughs> that was my favorite line for some, for some, for a while. That was my catchphrase for a while. Don't look at me like that. Yeah. <laughs> I just spit out, I just spit out random facts or whatever, or, or stuff, uh, like, uh, game show stuff that people wouldn't think I knew, and I, and they look, and everybody's looking at me, I'm like, don't look at me like that. <laughs> yep. Oh, one last, uh, one last one that I'll throw out as a Starship Painkiller movie. Because no matter what, I always gotta... I find myself watching it when I see it. A Few Good Men. That was a good movie. That was a very good movie. That, that was... And then it went hard when it came out, too? Ooh, man. You know, that movie and The Usual Suspect are two movies where... I'm not... I don't like speaking ill of the dead... Or where I think Roger Ebert was out of his goddamn mind for for saying that he thumbs down to those movies. That's why I can't stand them critics, man. I don't listen Like, oh, that's that? Yeah, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah. Oh, and... I'm get, I was going to wait till next week with this one, but I'll throw this one out as a Starship Painful movie. Virus. Supposedly it was based off of a comic. You had 
Billy Baldwin, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Donald Sutherland in this movie. And it's awful. And for those that... You didn't see that, or you didn't... You heard of that uh, one, right? Nah, nah. I, I think I heard of it, but I definitely didn't see it. It came out in 1999. A, a tight... A tug... Some... Some highly advanced Soviet Soviet ship is struck by what looks like lightning, but turns out it's some kind of alien life form, and it starts like dissecting, butchering like the crew, like making them like mixing them with machine. I'm like, oh god! It, if it sounds stupid just from my description, trust me, the movie is just as stupid. Uh-huh, you, you totally lost me on that one. Yeah, it, it, I really can't explain that movie because it's that much. It's really trash, and it was a bomb in the box office. Even the cast members won't defend that movie. Even they admit it was Even they admit it was terrible. But, yeah, trust me, that's one you want to avoid at all costs. Noted. Uh, anything in the Starship, other than the songs, any, since you already laid out some of those, anything in the Starship painkiller category, whether TV or movie you want to throw out there? Oh, nah, man, I I can't, I can't really think of nothing right off the jump. All right, well, uh, last one I'll throw out, I know I've already mentioned this one, but if you haven't, if you got Disney Plus and you never got around to watching it, gotta, I I suggest watching X-Men. The original cartoon of the X-Men, I mean. Which, I think we're going to mention X-Men like every week until people just start uh, telling us that, yeah, I, I've been watching X-Men, you can, you can, you can stop now. <laughs> we, we get it. Call they're going to be like, dude, they're going to be like, we get it, dude. I've been watching for the last couple of weeks, man, we get it. Call it doing a service for those that have not checked it out. But seriously, that's also got to go down as one of the greatest all-time cartoon theme songs. Dude, just just just, just song. It's just the beat. I ain't got yeah. no words to it. Just the beat. Yeah, it's like the second you hear that, you're like, oh, you know, stuff shit's about to get real. And don't talk about they play during during the show, like a fight scene and stuff. Oh, oh yeah, man. And I said this to to a friend of the front. A friend of mine that I that I introduced to the series, I told her, "Now you see why I'm so particular about Apocalypse and why I was so critical about it in the live action Apocalypse movie." People I don't. Held, people held that whenever when those X Men movies came out, they held that to a standard because for one, if you were a fan of the comic books for the longest, you had. You know, these characters in your head, you know, doing the voices and stuff like that. But when they finally got that, that finally got that cartoon iteration, you heard their voices like, dude, that's how I picture Wolverine's voice. Dude, that's how I picture Cyclops. Dude, oh man, they got Apocalypse. You barked out hard because you finally got to see and hear Apocalypse. That sort of thing. So when the movies came out, you held them to that standard. You were like... That's not Apocalypse, dude. Like, oh man, that which we call him is weak, bro. Like, you know, you held him to that standard of the cartoon. 
because the cartoon went so hard and influenced so many people. Here's something I don't think you knew. You remember the show Kung Fu The Legend Continues, right? Right. The guy that played Kwai Chan King's son. That actor voiced Gambit. I know, right? I was like, no shit. Wow. I was blown away by that one. But, you know, I liked the X... Well, I thought it was X-Men Apocalypse was okay. But their version of Apocalypse, I didn't think it was perfect. I just said it was close enough. But st- That's how a lot of people felt. Because I didn't think that they that was as close to getting it done as they could get. But even I didn't think they would ever be able to pull it off any differently. Or if they attempted... Yeah, a, lot of peop- a lot of people initially dragged uh, that apocalypse when they first seen it. When they first seen him, they dragged that apocalypse. But then when the movie came out, they were like, eh, it was all right. I did watch uh, some of X-Men Evolution, where they, the two-parter where Apocalypse was finally introduced. That was actually not too bad. Because you had the Brotherhood and you had the X-Men teaming up, and you actually had Magneto and Xavier on the same page for once. Right. But, um... Like, evolution was different, but it wasn't that bad. I liked it. It got better as the series went on. That too. Because it kind of struggled a little bit in the be- in the first season, but as it progressed, it got better. Right. Like, um... But, you know, when they had... When they had a search, search party looking for Rogue, and at one of the search parties was Wolverine, Sabretooth, and Gambit, I was like... Yeah, this is going to end well. Exactly. But, um... My closing thought for the night... Found out the Rose Bowl, with their drive-in that they're doing, is going to air the new Mutants. I'm actually considering going to that. And while I may not have favored Bill and Ted 3 as much as I as much as some other people have, I still saw it just for the sake of seeing something brand new. Just because, so I could get that feeling back. And that's really all I got for my closing thought. What about you? Oh, man. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, man. It's like, try to not get too political and stuff on here and everything but we try not to get too political, religious, etc, etc and everything because everybody has differences everybody has their different beliefs and their feelings and whatnot and stuff but the main thing that we should all be able to agree on is that we're all different but we should all be excellent to one another thing is, with a lot of things that have been going on in the country, whether it be natural disasters or, you know, the killations of, of people 
by by uh, the police and whatnot. People people have really been really crummy to each other, like on social media in the public. People are just really crummy to each other. We should all, you know, we have we all as humans have two ears and one mouth. I've heard this saying before. We have two ears so we can listen more than we speak. Like, we really need to listen to each other, listen to other people. We all don't have the same... We all don't have the same background, the same experiences. You can learn so much from other people. That's, that, was the, that was the original antithesis of, 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 of um, social media. To talk to people that you don't usually talk to, to listen to other people, to get, listen, exchange experiences and stuff, exchange ideas. You're not always going to be right. You're not always going to be wrong. You're not always going to have the, 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 the answer to something. That's when we go back and forth. But people just, sometimes people just don't want to listen. Their way, they're stuck in their ways and stuff. And they're dead ass wrong. And it's not about this party, that party, this president, that president. It's just about being a decent person. Stuff is happening to people, whether it's kids, whether it's a whole race of people, stuff are happening to people. And you guys, sometimes you just got to shut up and listen to what's happening to these people. You may not agree with protesting. You may not agree with, with actions people are taking and stuff, but sometimes you just got to shut up. And you got to listen because your way may not be right and it may not be the only way. We all got to go to get in the same direction. To follow with that, I will add the ability. Here's the thing. This morning I went to the market. I only had a couple of things. An elderly woman, she had like a whole cart full of stuff. She looks and sees what I have. She says, you can go ahead. And I'm just like, and they say chivalry is dead. It's not dead. You just need a magnifying glass to find it. The point is the ability to be civil, compassionate, empathetic. We need to rediscover that if we're going to have any hope. And this goes with no matter who the hell is in power. Because the fact is, is like you said, we stopped listening to each other. We stopped being decent to each other. I've broken off so many friendships with people. Not even because I wanted to. It's because I can't stand by somebody that is so hateful or selfish or just close-minded to the point where you're just toxic to be around. And and I'm just like the narrow-mindedness of people today frightens me. 
And I'm just trying to think. It's real scary. There's got to be an end to this nightmare because, quite frankly, I truly don't think we can handle another four years of this. The thing about it is, as much as I don't, I don't really care for the person in office, the alternative ain't all that dang good either. And it's not, it's not, it's not so much the people that, like you said, it's not so much the people in charge. It's the people that, that live right next to you. The people in your neighborhood. We, you know, people in your neighborhood. The, the people in your damn neighborhood. Some of these people are very crummy people. I mean, not maybe not in your personal neighborhood or whatever, but like, yeah, there's a lot of people on social media that, man, you go and look and you like, damn, there are that many crummy people in one group? Wow! And it just uh, it just shocks the shit out of you. You're like, wow, they have that many that many crummy people in America. Wow! It's just it just shocks you. That many people subscribe to the same thought wave and everything. You're like, dude, all of y'all are like, damn, it's sad. It's a sad thing, man. My issue is the fact that the other guy, that the guy currently in charge breaks law after law that every other pre- president before him has had to follow to the letter, and he doesn't care. And I don't necessarily hate him as much for what he has done. I hate him for what he doesn't do. He says the other guy won't you won't be safe in his America. We don't feel safe in yours. The trick part is the footage he's using is from his America. Yeah. And if it's not from his America, it's from Spain. There have been clips of a of riots in Spain that he's using that aren't even here. But the point is not since the L.A. riots or 9-11 have I felt this unsafe in this country. That's all I got with, with that part. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it for me. Yeah. Because my, my stance on owning a gun is if I ever did own one, my hope would be I would never be put in a position where I'd have to use it. And typically, I think that should be the thought for anybody that gets a gun, is that you shouldn't exactly be anxious to use the bloody thing. I mean, I would think that any sane person would just, would, would think, I hope, let's hope I never come to the point where I gotta use this. Because that's the one thing, is that Anybody can take a life. That's pow- That's not power. Sparing a life, preserving life, is true power. Man, this has been a very up and down episode, yeah. Yeah, I know. This is, But bottom line, people, no matter what side of the spectrum you're on, we're better than this. We need to be better than this. Yeah, dude, I mean, if you're, 
if you're not a racist, if you're not a, a, a whatever, whatever, if you're not a bad person, prove it. Let your, let your actions speak. Be, everybody be cool. Everybody be cool to everybody. Or as they say on Bill and Ted, be excellent to each other. Truer words that still exist to this day and still mean something. But that's all we got, people. This has been one crazy fucked up week. And as the old saying goes, with this week, oh, that was fun. Let's not do that again. Because I don't think we can handle another week like that. But the bottom line, people will be back the next time. Hopefully it'll be less chaotic than this past week has been. He's Travis Smith. I'm Sean Williams. This is Variety Bites. We out of here. Cheers. Cheers. Blood, this is for the tears. This is for my pain and my plight. Two walked in, but only one of us is walking out of here tonight.